texture of your hair. Who taught you to hate the color of your skin? We are exploited. We are downtrodden. We are denied not only civil rights, but even human rights. So the only way we're going to get some of this oppression and exploitation away from us or aside from us is come together against the common enemy. Oh, yeah. Welcome, welcome, welcome back to Pull the Pin. And I'm your host, Kevin E. Joma. We're brought to you every week by what you expect. That's W-Y-E-X-P-E-C-T dot com. I do try to do it regularly. Um, this podcast I'm bringing to you this week is actually uh, was actually pre-recorded last weekend, um, right after game two of the NBA finals. And I invite my good friend Doppo to, to join me and talk a little hoops. We actually planned for it to be roughly a 45 minute convo. And if you know anything about me and discussing hoops on Facebook, they usually don't go that way. So I decided to make this its own pod. It's gonna be um, pretty much a wrap up of the NBA bubble uh, game game six notwithstanding. Cause um, I'm actually gonna drop this today, which is uh, Sunday, October 11th. The Lakers and the Heat are playing tonight, game six. Lakers are up 3-2. So we we tried to stay away from finals predictions, even though this finals seemed pretty predictable when we're recording last week. And now we're we're sitting here at 3-2, but the Lakers are still the favorites. So um, we're going to see how that shakes out. But Doppo and I, uh, we, we discuss a lot of different things. The biggest surprises from the bubble are takeaways, um, bubble awards, <laughs> and uh, we also discuss some of our favorite debatable topics, right? Which are a bit, a bit of myth busting of Kobe Bryant's legacy, the curve in which I suggest we grade white players on um, subconsciously, and then. Um, we talk a little bit about the Luka Doncic versus Jason Tatum debate. I think we're going to be having this debate for the next 10, 15 years. And I love it. I love it. I love it. So we have a long one. So I'm not going to give you too much of a uh, of an intro. I'm just going to go ahead and roll into it. So let's pull the pin, baby. Apple, thank you so much for joining me on Pull the Pin. Um, ladies and gentlemen, I got my, my boy on here, fellow night job boy. Uh, uh, Dapo, he's currently studying uh, uh, data science at Duke University. Um, he's he's going to be an NBA analyst one day, like a real analyst, not the people that you see on TV. So um, he's going to be coming out with, with an NBA pod soon and, and vlog, I hope. So I wanted to give him a platform in which we could talk a little ball and uh, and recap the NBA playoffs thus far. 
because we see a lot of uh, jokers on on Facebook and Twitter and hypothecating and things like that, and we trying to cut through the noise. So, um, Doppel, what's good, man? How are you? I'm good, man. I'm living. Uh, recently came out here for Duke. Uh, to Duke, I'm trying to pursue like this basketball thing full time. Like, hopefully, work my way up, be like an NBA GM or something. That's the goal. That's the goal, God willing. And then just now, I've just been taking classes and get them, getting accustomed to Durham uh, during COVID. Yeah, man. Yeah. And you know what? Like being from Jersey, it's not a bad thing to do. Um, I'm actually I'm completing my move to Secaucus this week. And I don't know if you know, you know the NBA offices yep. are in New York and in Secaucus. So um, I actually have a good friend of mine, PJ Candido. He's probably going to listen to this podcast. He works. Um, in the NBA office. So once you get done, you know, I could definitely, um, I could definitely connect you to him and see if we can, uh, if we can get you something, something dope for sure. Well, definitely. Yeah, man. Yeah. But uh, we, we got, we got a great segment for y'all. Um, I wanted to switch it up. I started off the podcast talking politics and some of the shit going on right now. Um, me and Doppel, we have, we have some things planned with both of us. We put together some, um, what we call our playoff awards. All right. Uh, our first, second team, third team was really hard. Um, cause you know, you, you, you got, you got to dip back into the people that got eliminated and things like that. Uh, you know, I, I don't know if you did it. I, I have my most outstanding player of the playoffs of the bubble. Mm. Um, I actually went with bubble, uh, with the whole oh, thing. Okay. Yeah. 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 I mean, we could actually differentiate the two. I think we know who like the MOP of the bubble is and he even, he was even in the playoffs. I, I'd say it was Devin Booker. Uh, I gotta, I mean, I gotta give it to Dane, man. For me. The winning, the the like, I don't know. He yeah. Devin Booker Booker won the games. I feel you. Like they didn't lose, but I don't know. Cause part of outstanding player and that stuff, a little bit of it is narrative. And then Dane making the playoffs and all that stuff. Nurkic coming back, all that. I think I give it to Dane. I'm not. I'm not a narrative guy. Personally, okay, I feel you. I'm not a narrative guy. I I think there's something to be said about how terrible the Suns looked all season. Um, taking three months off and coming back and Devin Looker looking. Devin, I said Devin Looker. Devin Booker looking like. Um, one of the best guards in the league, uh, and and honestly, I think that's, I think that's probably the one of the biggest storylines of the bubble. Speaking of narratives, is are these um, second and third year swing players taking the three months off and coming back looking like different guys? Mm-hmm. Um, the first person that comes to mind, uh, we're we're gonna talk a, bit, a little bit about him later, I'm sure, is Jamal Murray. Uh, Jamal Murray is, is an interesting cat, man, because when he was at Kentucky, I didn't I didn't see none of this coming. Did you? Uh, to be honest, I thought he was going to be really good, but I mean, I don't know. This isn't a good barometer, but like I played fantasy basketball and I was waiting for him to take that lead. I really thought that him next to Jokic, like if he was the shot maker that he was supposed to be, that yeah. he would be really good. And I think that he's coming into his own and becoming the player that everybody, that people thought he would be like kind of like, um, a, like Stephen Curry, Damian Lillard type of mold. And like on offense, those two, the pairing together is perfect. Yeah. And, and, you know, uh, little known facts. He was drafted in 2016. I think that's a draft. Uh, ben Simmons, Brandon Ingram, yep. Jalen Brown, uh, Dra- Dragon Bender went to the Suns. Um, fifth pick, uh, fifth pick went to the Timberwolves. I'm trying to think who that was. Um, Chris Dunn. Chris Dunn. Chris Dunn. And then sixth pick. Uh, healed, Buddy Healed. Buddy Healed. Buddy yeah. Healed. And Jamal Murray went seventh. I know the Celtics uh, pre-draft, they really like Jamal Murray. Jamal yeah, Murray yeah. Jamal Murray worked out for the Celtics three times. I think Jalen Brown only worked out twice. And if they didn't like um, they, they didn't like Brandon Ingram, uh, they say that if 
Jalen Brown went second, they would have picked Jamal Murray at third. And uh, I was praying for them not to do that because I didn't really know nothing about Jamal Murray. I think it's a little bit of the Canadian bias. Um, and then the, the players from Kentucky, um, and I definitely want to talk about that, but it's just like the players from Kentucky, feel, I feel like they don't really reach their peak when they're playing under John Calipari. What do you think about that? Um, 100%. But, like, that's just, like, I feel like the nature of college basketball. Like, if you look at somebody like Carl Towns, Jaleel Okafor, like, everybody said that Jaleel Okafor was going, was going to go number one that year. Um, but then, like, you saw Carl Towns, he didn't realize his potential. He was more of, like, a defensive juggernaut. And I think yeah. that was the year that Kentucky played in platoons, too. Yeah. Um, they had so like, many players. Yeah. They had, Devin, they had Devin Booker on that team, too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So you, you just sub out five guys, sub out another five. That's how talented they were. Um, and then again, like Devin Booker, he was a spot up shooter um, at Kentucky, didn't run like a lot of pick and roll, if ever. And then the NBA, given the way the NBA has changed, you have like instead of what the one and two being such hard and rigid positions like combo guards, you have combo guards now. So yeah. Devin Booker being like the player that he is, it, it like it just makes sense. So definitely agree with that notion that players don't realize their potential. But I just think that that's just the nature of college basketball. But under John Calipari in particular. Yes, though. yes, yes. I think about here's a list. Here's a list. You got you got Jamal Murray, you got Devin Booker. Uh, these are just recent guys. Bam mm-hmm. out of bio, Tyler Harrow. All right. Uh, and then we can take it a step back a little bit and go to Anthony Davis, yeah. right? Who's now looking like Will Chamberlain Will Chamberlain. Uh, we knew he was one, he's gonna be one of the greatest big men um mm-hmm. in college basketball history when he was in college, but he still wasn't what he was now. He wasn't dominant like how we saw. Uh, Zion be do- be dominant in college, right? Um, mm-hmm. Anthony Davis was like a five block a game, like averaging like 15, 16 points. Uh, Michael Kidd Gilchrist was probably the better the better player on that team. Like he had um, the ball in his hands. You know what I'm saying though? Like, yeah, we, we, we saw Anthony, Anthony Davis went first. We know Anthony Davis was going to be um, elite. We knew he's going to be a Hall of Fame type player. Mm-hmm. But in on the team, in the system, like during that season, I would have said, right, and obviously I was wrong, but uh, Michael Kidd Gilchrist was the perimeter defender. He he brought the ball up. Uh, he was averaging triple doubles. Uh, he probably you know he was getting like Jordan comparisons and things like that because of how you play defense, right? He just hadn't developed offensively. Yeah, you know, but so. um, I think when people talk about AD, like well, the biggest thing that they harp on is that like that growth spurt that he had in high school, right? I mean, sixty. Yeah. Like six ten in the summer, so like he had the guard skills, and then he was mobile as a big. But like you said, like offensively, he didn't get to showcase that at Kentucky. It was more so his defense. So um, when he got to the league, and then he could like start showing what he could do on offense, coupled with his already like elite defensive potential or defensive talent, then like it was only a matter of time before we started seeing what we saw. Yeah, he's a, he's a two guard. Like he's a two guard. Playing, playing center, it looks like. And I, I think now that he's with the Lakers, he's playing with LeBron, um, he gets to show a little bit more of, of what he can do. But, yeah. you know, my, my point notwithstanding is, like, you know, even Tyler Hero um, and Bam. I, let's focus on those two, right? Because those are two dudes that just gave uh, my Celtics the work. And um, it's embarrassing, to be honest with you, because Tyler Hero is not that good. But he had a great series. Um, and we can argue about that if if you disagree. Um, Not that good in what sense, though. What, what, what are your right, before we even get on that? Before I give you my opinion on Tyler Hero, what is what are your thoughts on Tyler Hero? Who's your comparison? Best that's, comparison. That's that's tough. And I guess the the easy cop out would be like an early like Devin Booker because like he can shoot and then there's some on ball creation there. But like 
I know I noticed like I seen some of the arguments that you have like when you when you argue with somebody and you're talking about Jason Tatum you're like you're you're um you say that people grade him on a curve so I, I feel like to some extent when I hear you talk about Tyler Hero that's how you're grading him because for all intents and purposes he's a rookie right and not too many 20 year old rookies like have done and can do the things that he's doing. He's not a rookie and, anymore, man. We can't call the play. We, yeah, we, can't, yeah. we can't call bubble. We can't call people who take a step forward in the bubble their first year rookies. Cause he, cause Kendrick Nunn um, was a rookie this year and he outplayed Tyler Hero all season. hundred percent. You know, until he was yeah. hurt in the playoffs. He did, but like, I don't know, like the, the pretext, like for all intents and purposes, he's a rookie, right? This is still technically like his rookie season. And like in the playoffs, like, um, there are a bunch of different factors every year. Like the first year LeBron won his chip, like there was a lockout season, like, 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 but nobody like holds that against them. And then that was also the year that the Thunder made the championship, but um, they were a young team and they probably shouldn't have under norm normal circumstances, but they were young and had the legs, even though the games were condensed. So like, there's always going to be like some like asterisk or something, but I think for all intents and purposes, he's a rookie. And even if he wasn't, like, if you want to consider him a sophomore year player, again, like, I don't know too many sophomore players that are, like... Averaging double figures off the bench? That are doing what he's doing, 20 Aver years old? Averaging double figures off the bench. He had a good, he had a, he had a good series against, against the, uh, the Celtics. Yeah, yeah. Um, which, like, I, I've told people, there's plenty of precedent for people having great playoff series. Yeah, 100 um, Ke Kelly Olynyk, uh, you know, he had a great game last night. He's gone off for like almost 40 in a playoff game before. Kelly yeah. Olynyk, you know, and I was on and this is when he was I, on the Celtics. Yeah, he was on the Celtics, and I was on Facebook talking about Kelly Olynyk, Giannis. I don't know, I don't know who I'd rather have at this point, right? What? Yeah, it was crazy. It was crazy. It was a crazy time to be alive. But we picked Kelly Olynyk right before Giannis went off the board. I don't know that might have been like 2013, whatever. But um, after that game, you know, Giannis hadn't taken his leap yet. And Kelly Olenek almost dropped 40 in the playoff game. So I'm thinking, like, you know, like, Kelly Olenek, I'll take him over Giannis. Like, he's playoff ready, right? And what has he done since then? Right? So I, I do – I want to be fair to Tyler Hero. I think, I think he's played great in the playoffs. Um, I think he's limited defensively. That's why they play zone. 100%. And I think there's a lot of people in the NBA that, could, that, um, that can score – that if you can hide them on defense to get the minutes, they would put up Tyler Hero numbers. And I think that, you know, what, I guess kind of what turned me off from him is the big deal they were making about Tyler Hero when he, was, when he scored like 14. Like he came off the bench and scored like 17. They're like, oh, Tyler Hero. And then like he actually had a good game. And now it's like they're comparing. Now it's like youngest player since LeBron. They put him. You know, they. I don't like stats like that, like oh. the single game, like stuff like that. But yeah, I, I do. I do hear where you're coming from in the sense that like people are already trying to like crown him as this, that, and the third, which is I I understand is a lot. But when you're talking about players that can score that you can hide on defense, like and they can do like similar things, yeah. But like at what age and at what point in their career? Because like a lot of young scores in the NBA aren't going to be able to hold up. And then even if you like, like, like we were saying before, I, I have three names for you. I have three names. I have three names for you. But I'll let you finish. Go ahead. You said, uh, you said you're an eye test guy, and some of the stuff that he was doing, like even in the 37 point game, like I can't imagine Kelly Olynyk. Like I don't know, I don't uh, know off the top of my head, like what that game was looking like and what Kelly was doing in that game. Ooh. But I don't know how comparable. Yo, yo pull it up. It, uh, uh, I'm I, yo, while I'm that. talking to you, you're going to have to pull it up so you can see the type of shit that Kelly Olenek was pulling. Because Kelly Olenek, 
actually reminds me they play on the same team but kelly olenic actually reminds me a lot of tyler hero this craftiness he's not fast he kind of goes off the wrong foot he hits these weird herky-jerky uh layups and things like that that kind of just fall in and you're like oh here's the thing because he's a rookie what he's doing um is cute like he takes yeah. a bad shot and we call it confidence right um as opposed to donovan mitchell his fresh his rookie year uh, he was getting criticized for, for taking some of those same shots. They were playing man defense, so we got to pick apart Donovan Mitchell not playing defense. He reminds me of Donovan Mitchell without the physical gifts, to be honest with you. Mm. And you realize how his, the second year Donovan Mitchell came back, basically doing the same thing his, he was doing his rookie year, and okay. all of us – yeah, this year. This year he took the real step. But last, yeah. year, he, last year he was a little bit more ineffic- – he was a little bit inefficient. Yeah. Um. He didn't take the leap people expected, and then all of a sudden, now we started look, we started judging him a little differently than we judged him as a rookie. Now it's like, oh, ba- he's taking bad shots, and blah 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 blah. Um. I think now, in the finals against a good team, um, not saying the Celtics weren't good, but they're a young team, uh, so you can do things like run zone against them. I think mm-hmm. now that they're in the finals, Tyler Hero is getting exposed, right? And it's unfortunate because if they lost the last series, people would have went into the 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 offseason, um, you know, riding Tyler Hero. But, you know, now we get to see that, okay, he has the worst plus minus in NBA Finals history thus far. Uh, yeah, but plus minus. I know plus minus. Is, I know. It's not a good single game stat. Yeah, but if you're watching the game, I test, you see yeah. that LeBron. He's getting killed. LeBron, LeBron is hunting these guys. Yeah, 100%. He's hunting these guys. He's hunting Tyler Hero and Duncan Robinson. You know, he's looking for them. They're running the picks. They're attacking them. And I guess, it's, you know, um, experienced players, you know, more cerebral, they can attack. I would wish the Celtics calmed down and kind of, like, went about their business attacking those guys. They did – the game that they won, they did win because they were attacking Duncan Robinson. Which um, – um, you talking about game five or game uh, – Game three and game five. Duncan Robinson had, like, three points in both games, foul trouble. Mm-hmm, right. Yeah. Uh, okay. I, I wish they had done that same thing to Tyler Hero, but it's difficult to hunt when they're running zone. Zone. Yeah. You know, I think so, that Jason Tatum did try to do that a couple of times. Yeah. The times where he did get him isolated, I felt like he was rushed and didn't get the shots that like that he should have. Yeah, that he could have gotten. Yeah, he could have yeah. gotten. And I just don't think that the physical difference between Jason Tatum and Tyler Hero is that pronounced yet, as opposed to like. Um, you see these guys, bou- they're bouncing off of LeBron and Anthony yeah. Davis and those guys. So it's, it's a different thing. Um, I don't I know don't if think about, Go ahead. I don't think about Tyler Hero is, like, again, like, I just think that if for all intents and purposes, like, he's a rookie. Same thing with Kendrick Nunn. Like, those guys are, like, playing and showing up in big games and, like, doing what they got to do. Well, Kendrick Nunn more so now than before because, like, he was a little bit out of the rotation. But – I don't know that you have a lot of young players that are doing those type of things, showing that type of promise. And you could say that part of it is because of, the bu- of because of the bubble, because playoff basketball, a lot of it is like your crowd, mental, right? crowd. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, you're, feeling you're general player, and exactly, and you don't have to deal with that. Then that works to your advantage. And you can make that argument. I wouldn't. I wouldn't dispute that argument at all. But I'm not trying to crown Tyler Hero. Say he's like this, that, or the third because I'm a body of work type of guy. Yeah. But at the same time, like I do recognize that he is good and he can be very good. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess so. Uh, I'd say he's he's definitely top ten rookie, but he was drafted in the lottery. You know, it's not like he's, you know, like he's Pascal Siakam. He was drafted in the lottery and he was an All-American. He came from Kentucky. He should be good. Yeah. You know, and that's the thing. It's like, all right, Duncan Robinson is a different story. They kind of lumped those guys together because they're white. 
But Duncan mm-hmm. Robinson is an undrafted guy, and Tyler Hero was actually an All-American. Like he's better. He was better than White Dante. You know, yeah. he's he's actually an elite player. Um, so, you know, I here's the thing: is a lot of it, and I'm probably this is probably a little bit of a uh, straw man because you're not really arguing um, for Tyler Hero. My my only thing is that we judge white players a little bit on a on a on a scale, right? Like uh, we've always disputed uh elite like some elite some point guards or shooting guards will never get into the elite discussion because of their defense right Mm -hmm. but we don't hesitate to put white players who are really good on offense into that discussion because we don't expect them to play defense so give me some examples so i can steve nash steve nash steve nash won two mvps playing no defense think think about another point chris paul for example I think about Chris Paul leading um, New, New, the New Orleans Pelicans to the second seed, okay? Um, he's been the best point guard forever, but he, he hasn't gotten no MVP because it's, he's judged on a different standard, you know? Steve Nash, 19, 21 points, 12 assists a game, no defense. He's basically a turnstile, and we just kind of like, eh. You know, because, you know, what's he supposed to do? He's white. He's a little, you know, and, and – I feel like there's a little bit of an element of that in the NBA. Um, I see with Luka Doncic and stuff like that. But also. <laughs> I would only. Okay. So I pulled up, I pulled up, I pulled up the, the MVP voting for um, the years that Steve Nash won. And so 04, 05, and 05, 06. So the first one, if you want to argue that Shaq could have gotten that, I mean, I guess. And it was kind of close. But the only thing with that is that, like, the way he transformed that offense was like next level. And that was one of the more like, obviously like this is hindsight, but like that was, he was one of the more transformative players in the NBA looking back. Because if you look at the point guards of that era, right, it was like Steve Nash. Then you had like Jason Kidd, you had like a Baron Davis, you have like Steve Francis, like all those types of players, like the more like in a, I mean, Jason Kidd and Baron Davis, not comparable, but like, like, like more inefficient point guards. But the thing is, the fact that Steve Nash was able to, like, transform that team and the fact that his offensive load was so high and he was responsible. 50, 40, 90 guy. Yeah. And then put every possession after possession, he was responsible for making the decision, and that was the reason why that offense went. I think there's something to be said for that. I, I think that sports writers weren't as smart analy- analytically then, right? I think now um, a player like Steve Nash doesn't get the MVP because – we now understand how having um, more possessions a game uh, in, uh, affects numbers, yeah. right? Those numbers that the Suns were putting up were juice numbers, bro. Um, they, they were the only team. They, back then, no one else was playing their style, right? So you have to understand, like, what we've now understand is commonplace. Like, there's more players averaging triple doubles. There's more rebounds to be, to be had. There's more assists to be had. There's more threes being made. Back then, the Suns were the only team playing like that. So when we're looking at when we're looking at the Suns, they're averaging 120, 125 a game. They're also allowing 117 or something, right? Mm-hmm. So yes, the numbers look good, but then they're also allowing more points. There's more possessions. The pace is higher, and their their pace is so disparate from the rest of the NBA that Amari Stoudemire got away. We thought Amari Stoudemire was like an all-time great, great big man because he played because he played in that offense. So you know what I'm saying, I, like, I hear you. So there was Sean Marion, you know, Boris Diaw. Like, uh, yeah, he was good. These guys were good. These guys were great players. Like Sean, like Rajah Bell was averaging like 15, 16. You know, you know? <laughs> like it's kind the, of. Go ahead. 
there are two things that you said that I kind of took issue with. I hope I don't forget the second one. But the first one, when you want to talk about like comparing like like players and errors and things like that, how they're doing something like that other people aren't doing, like that's literally what greatness is. That's why when I talk about the Michael Jordan versus LeBron thing, like you want to talk about great players. That's Dan Tony though, bro. That's Dan and yeah, but, Dan Tony. But, but, but if you, you want to say inflated numbers, then so it's Harden shouldn't win MVPs because Harden is in the conversation oh, for four of them. Yeah, but see, the rest of the NBA is playing like that now to a degree, right? They've they've done it like, you know, next level. But to a degree, the rest of the NBA has caught up. And James Harden had, in order for him to win the MVP, he had to basically have Steve Nash's season on steroids. You know what I'm saying? Like he had for now. Now that's what I'm, back that's then. My, that's my point, though. That's because my if point. the Suns played now, they would have one of the slowest paces in the league. Yeah. If you look at their pace then, then, and compared to the pace now, they'd be, they'd be, be average. The yeah. Yeah, they'd be a little below average. You know, no, they would um, be amongst the worst. Yeah. So, but the thing about the Suns is, like, if you want to compare like eras, like you have to compare how good you are. to what you're doing in your era. So like the whole LeBron versus Michael thing, like when people talk about LeBron being, look, does this, that, and the third, I say like the arguments are a little bit disingenuous because somebody was telling me the other day that Michael Jordan should have shot more threes. And I was just like, yeah, it's easy for you to say that now that teams shoot more threes, but how are you gonna, you're speaking with the privilege of hindsight that, oh, okay, of course you should have taken more threes 30 years ago. Like you can't talk like that. Yeah, I mean, I get that, but what I'm saying, what I'm saying crosses era point guards we don't look at the go through the history we don't look at any elite point guards and overlook their defense we don't like the best point guards that we that steve yeah. nash is the only I mean, steph is the only other one but steph is, is, he, is he and is he like was he even a point guard like is he even really a point you know like like when we talk about Steph, we talk about him as one of the greatest shooters of all time. We don't talk about him as one of the greatest point guards of all time. You know? So point guards, you're saying like rigid, like kind of facilitator type of? I, I'm, I'm, I'm just talking about like the conversation. Like we know Chris, we, we understand, we look at Chris Paul as one of the greatest point guards of all time. Like him, mm -hmm. Isaiah Thomas, and Nate Tiny and Archibald. But these are all guys that, that locked up their position on, on defense, the hardest position to, to play defense on man to man. Uh, and these are guys that could also go get you 40 on a given night. Chris mm -hmm. Paul, Isaiah, Nate Archibald. Steve Nash entered that conversation with no defense. And that's my only – you can't say Isaiah couldn't play in, in, the, in the Suns' offense and average mm -hmm. 20. If, if Isaiah Thomas – this is actually my best argument. Okay. <laughs> and I know it's conjecture. I know it's conjecture, Dapo. But if Isaiah Thomas played in the Suns' offense, what do you think happens? Probably would have won that chip. Yo, I'm saying you would have won, like you know. So that, that's listen. I love Steve Nash. He was one of my favorite players when he was when he was rocking. My only thing is, if we're fair, we judge play, certain players on a different scale. Like somebody was there telling me that Jason Tatum um, wasn't efficient. To, um, I saw playoffs. that. That was that was that, that was, was it was ridiculous. And I'm saying like since when is averaging 26 on 44 and 38 not efficient? Oh yeah. well, you know the only way that's not efficient is if you're judging him on the LeBron scale. Yeah, and those guys, right? Which is like, okay, like that's where LeBron is now. I get that, you know. But he also didn't take seven threes a game when yeah. he was when he was 22. So for, so nah, 44 and 38 is Kobe. Wait, really quickly, the the Steve Nash thing. So I hear you about how he entered the conversation, but. I feel like 
we also have the privilege privilege of hindsight. But when you're talking about best point guards of all time, where you put where do you think people put Steve Nash, and then where do you put Steve Nash? I put Steve Nash. I put Steve Nash top, definitely top ten for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I keep him there. He's after Jason Kidd, in my opinion. Me too. He's after Jason Kidd. Uh, he's after the people I already named: Chris Paul, Isaiah Thomas, Nate Tiny Archibald. Magic. Um, definitely behind Magic. Magic is number is yeah. Magic's probably number two after Isaiah. I think Isaiah, I, oh, uh, I, no, I think Isaiah is the best point guard of all time. Make the case. Um, one, D Jordan twice. Uh, oh, well, wait, 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 wait. He was uh, he was under six one. B Jordan twice on a on a with, with a team with not a lot of other great players. Um, he could get you forty. Lockdown defense. Isaiah was a dog, bro. And I never watched him play live. Isaiah was all I watched the highlights, man. And uh and NBA and NBA dudes will say the same thing. You know, it's between because Magic is also another guy that I think of that I think of Magic as just a different type of point guard. Um, because he could play four positions. Um, yeah. they moved him around. He always ran point on offense, but he didn't always defend the point guard. Yeah, you know, so we have my my idea of a point guard is point guard on offense, point guard on defense. That's why LeBron isn't the point guard. Mm. Uh, Luca can't defend his position, so he's not a point guard. He's a shooting guard or like a small forward. I mean, right? I, I, I do buy into the principle that you are what you guard. Exactly. Generally, but exactly. Like, I feel like your role on offense. I don't know. Like, if if and if you guard nobody. Like, I don't know, if you're making if you're making all the decisions for your team, you have the ball in your hands all the time, like, I'm going to call you the small forward, like, that's, that's tough for me. Yeah, yeah, I mean, then you, you become a passing small forward, you'd be one of the one of the greatest passing forwards of all time, you, you know, well, like Magic that. Magic is not a point guard to you, Magic is not the best point guard of all time. No, he's up there, I consider him a point guard just because he's Magic. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm saying the reason why Isaiah gets the edge is because Magic didn't D the point guard position like that. And we can't forget that when Kareem got hurt, they moved him to center. <laughs> you know, and he he was still running, he was still running point, but they moved they moved him to center. You know, yeah. so you have to consider those things, and that's part of the reason why we consider Magic so great is because he was LeBron before LeBron. You know, um, but yeah, I you no, know, it's close. Isaiah Magic, whatever. Uh, Chris Paul, number two. I've given him and Nate Tiny Archibald. I've Archibald just because of the the difference in era. I yeah, don't. I struggle with the not modern basketball eras. Yeah, and- it's tough because you know he was like crossing up Bob Cousy and shit. You know, so it's like it's <laughs> it's tough. Then Jason Kidd, and Jason actually, wow, you have that, a real different list. I got Jason Kidd number five. I got Jason Kidd number five after like Chris Paul and, and Nate Tiny Archibald, just because he wasn't a scorer. Um, mm-hmm. He couldn't go get you thirty. Um, then I, I put Steve Nash on, um, after Jason Kidd, and they actually they were contemporaries in a, to a degree. Um, Steve yeah. Nash actually replaced Jason Kidd, I believe, on the Mavericks. So it, it get those are like two people that give you a good idea of like what they could do on the same uh, in the same type of system, kind of. Uh, but mm-hmm. Jason Kidd's longevity, uh, him actually carrying his team to the finals twice. Honestly, Jason Kidd is my favorite player of all and time. And defense, but yeah, him and Kobe, defense. Like, you could say the East was weak, but Jason Kidd like got went to the Nets and then took that team to the finals. Granted, and they, and they had Marbury before that. Yeah, exactly. Jason Kidd turned that team around, took them to the finals, and then they got slapped by the Lakers. But, like, 
it's just like I feel like that didn't get enough credit. And I think there was one year Jason Kidd, like people say that like like he should have won the MVP over Tim Duncan, but then yeah, about, like, the oh, four. and stuff. Was it oh four or was it oh two? Oh, you're right. It was oh two. Yeah. It might be oh two. Or 03, 2002, 2003? You can, you can look at it. Yeah, it might have been 2002, 2003. But, yeah, no, I, and the edge that gets that Jason K has over Steve Nash is the defense. Yeah. Again, it's defense. So, like, that, and that's... In that era. Yeah, in yeah. that era. And all the arguments that I make about basketball, and I don't think enough people who just watch basketball, like, surface level, is, like, defense. Defense is what... Um, is highly deterministic of who makes it to the finals, who makes it deep in the playoffs. You know, two-way players make it to the finals. That's just the way, that's just the way that goes, right? The Heat is probably, like, the biggest outlier because they're playing zone in the bubble. Yeah. First time I've ever really seen that. Um, and that's why they're going to get smacked. But usually... And the talent disparity also. Yeah, and the talent disparity. But, like, generally, they don't make it past a team like the Celtics. Right, like historically, because the Celtics have two two of the best two way players on the floor. So usually that that series doesn't go that way. Even though Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum had great series respectively, yeah. um, it usually doesn't go that way. So for me, a lot of my arguments, like Jason Tatum versus Luca, those types of things, they all hinge on defense because for me, that is more deterministic of success in the NBA. And we've seen it time and time again. And people kind of like fall in love with like the James Harden. Uh, we fall in love with the – I don't think the Warriors win another title if they don't get KD because, again, um, I, I, it's very, it was very tough for them to have deep playoff success. The year that they won the finals, they kind of got – they got lucky with the Rockets. They got lucky with a lot of – they got lucky with the Spurs. They had they, – um, What do you mean they got lucky with the Rockets? I mean, I'm a Rockets look, fan. Oh, the, se- the second year. Okay. okay with, Kevin, with Kevin Durant, they got lucky with the Rockets. Before that, though, you remember um, Tony Parker got hurt? Mm. And I don't, I don't like those because like people get hurt every year. Like I know, I know. They, 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 listen, I don't take their, 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 their championship away from them, though. I'm just saying I don't think they would have done it. I don't think they would have been a dynasty in that way because the regular season success wasn't going to trans- translate into postseason success regularly like that. Unless like yeah. they got hot and things happen, you know, because two way yeah. matters. You can make the argument. I mean, I'm a believer that the Warriors wouldn't have won that first ship if Kyrie and Kevin Love didn't get hurt. And then, yeah, oh no, no, yeah. that was a but great the second, the second one, they would have won had Bogut and Iguodala not gotten hurt, plus the Draymond suspension. The second one, where they were up 3 1, they would have won that one had like those three things not happened. They were up 3 1. I don't, yeah, I get that, but it's not like they have, it's not like. Three one leads don't get blown, and it, and what? here's the thing: we've seen it happen now how many times since now? Then? But up until that point, how many times did it happen? Not in the finals, but the Clippers had already blown the three one by that point. Yeah, but you know, Doc. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, yeah. I mean, like, and then Kobe, uh, LeBron, and Kyrie were were both they were they were putting in like seventy five points between the two of them every game after yeah, when they, when they had before. that. That double 40-point game, that was one of the best games, like, I'd ever watched. But the whole thing about that is, like, one, they were up 3-1. Two, like, Bogut, like, as much as we like to give, like, Draymond credit for being their defensive linchpin, like, Bogut was, like, just as impactful, too, right? And then people don't believe in momentum in playoff series, but, like, game to game, I I feel like I have to believe in momentum because, like, coming into the locker room and you're mental and you're, like, the way you're approaching games and, like, the way you're feeling from game to game, I definitely think that matters and affects the way you play. 
So like losing Bogut and then Iguodala, I think he, Iguodala was talking about how he he had like um, his calf or his femur, something in his leg, his femur or something was broken, but they just wrote it off as like a strained calf, something like that. So yeah. like those two players got injured plus losing Draymond for one game. I think if that doesn't happen, I think maybe the Cavs could win another game, but I think the Warriors were taking that. I mean, yeah, that's up for debate. I don't think so. I, okay. I, and then, I don't think yeah. so. You know, we we can argue about that. I don't think so. Um, I think the I think the Cavs would have gotten it anyway, only because you know we won though. Like, they, nothing, they had they had, they had three games to win one game, bro. Yeah, but the, they did. But I just think that those things happening is kind of why, like the like that opened the door. For that to happen, not to say that LeBron and Kyrie didn't have to play, because of course they had to play, or the Cavs. As, how many as, great? How many great teams are you saying that they lost the title because of a role player? Sorry. How many great dynastic teams are you saying didn't win the title because of a role player getting hurt? I mean, if three of your best defensive players get marginalized, then that, <laughs> get, if they if they if they become compromised, and then the other one is isn't there for one game, I think that definitely matters. Best defensive players. Like, the Warriors, three of them. Draymond, 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 Draymond was there for two games. After that, he had game. Clay, Clay, Clay was still there. He was gone one game. Iggy, Iggy was. Iggy, Iggy, was, on the Iggy was on the court it, with a broken with a broken leg. All right, <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. And then, but I'm 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 really of the mindset that like small, it's easy to not easy, but it's easier to limit smaller guards in playoffs in the playoffs. Exactly. You know, happens to Dame like after this the Dame Lakers thing was crazy to me because I was I think I was getting into an argument in like one of your comment sections with this one dude saying that like the Lakers had the worst offensive rating in the bubble Dame uh Dame has been hooping I was like Dame had to drop 50 to win by three against the Nets like it's just like come on I was like and then you can trap smaller guards and then the biggest thing with the Blazers is that like their forward positions generally have been weak so if Dame gets trapped who's making the play on the four on three Exactly. Basketball. Exactly. Yeah, playoff playoff basketball is different because you can always trap, you can always trap the best player and get the ball out of their hands. Um, and that's why you have to, you know, not everyone can be one. That means we have to really look at what LeBron has been doing the last like ten yep. years yep. and understand how great it is because it's so hard to raise your level in playoffs, and we almost expect everyone to do it. Mm-hmm. And role players can do it because. Why can role players raise their level? Because in the playoffs, the attention attention goes to the star players. And now we're making we're making Tyler Hero have to beat us. You know, Tyler Hero has or Kelly Olynyk has to have a big game to beat. You know what I'm saying? Like because we're forcing Goran Dragic. Goran Dragic was killing us, so it was like okay, we have to get the ball in Goran Dragic's hands. Duncan Robinson was killing us, so we're like okay, we got to stay attached to Duncan Robinson. Bam is running point guard sometimes, you know? Yeah. So now all of a sudden, Tyler Hero's being his man, and he's driving to the hoop, and there's no help. And I don't mean to keep, like, shifting subject, but the Paul George thing was killing me. <laughs> because I, I picked the Clippers-Celtics final before the bubble started, and my thing with the Clippers was that, like, their role players, like, like, if Kawhi and Paul George can play the way they're supposed to play, and then LeBron yeah. and play the like the like the role players are going to be the big difference, right? And the thing about Paul George, nobody expected him to be this bad. Like even if he was average against the Nuggets, they would have won. But like part of the reason, and I guess this is my fault, but part of the reason why I was like Paul George is going to be good is because of the season that he put together last year. 
Like he was third in MVP voting, like the scoring efficiencies and great defender, everything. So I'm just like, all right, Paul, you are doing this as the best offensive player on that Thunder team. Now the pressure's off you and that Kawhi is the best player and you have players around you that can play. Like it should be a field day for you, but apparently not. And if you want to argue the mental health thing in the bubble, maybe, but I don't know. That that killed me. That's what I was going to, that's actually what I was going to say. Um, and I'm going to break some news on my on my podcast uh, here. So I identify a little bit with Paul George. I'm somebody, uh, I've probably been suffering from anxiety since I was, since I was like 13 years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just never, I just considered like um, the jitters um, and the, the lack of like, I used to like kind of like lose control of my body sometimes, you know, in those, in those, in those moments. And I, I experienced it elsewhere in life, but in sports, I almost expected that to happen. I just accepted that. Right. And there was some situations where I felt where I was just out there playing free, but anxiety and those things like definitely, definitely, definitely affects your sports performance. I think about it now that I've been diagnosed, I take medication and things like that. And I think about, damn, like now I go and I hoop, like I go and I hoop and like I shoot and I'm not thinking about it. Like someone, I never thought I could shoot. And then all of a sudden I got my anxiety under, under control. And now all of a sudden, like I can shoot. Mm-hmm. Right. And I'm not even, I'm not a basketball player. So I think about like my football career when I played cornerback, which was an, probably the most anxiety um, producing position aside from playing quarterback. Right. Um, like that was, you know, playing college football as a cornerback was terrifying a lot of times, you know, mm-hmm. and I just, I just like pushed through it, you know, whatever I used to, I'm breaking some news again. I used to smoke before games. I used to, <laughs> I used to smoke before practice, smoke before games. You know, um, I used to kill them in practice. I, I would go to practice high and then I would play a game sober. And I'm like, go, oh, what the fuck just happened during that game? And then I finally cracked the code, you know, but it's one of those things, man. It's, you can't, you can't really discount it. Um, I also argue against the, the theory that he has a bunch of good players with him on the Clippers. What mm-hmm. I see in the Clippers, I see a bunch of dudes who don't um, make each other better. Thanks. Right. They threw together this team. Um, if you think about it, a bunch of those dudes joined after the trading deadline and then we and then the season got canceled. Then they came back. Half of them don't even want to play. And uh, Lou Williams doesn't make anybody else better. Kawhi yeah. Leonard doesn't make anybody else better. Um, Paul George doesn't really make anybody else better. But these are all good players. Marcus Morris doesn't make anybody else better. I've seen that firsthand. Yeah. Right. Uh, and someone said some shit that I can't forget now is that. Um, Montrez Harrell is is black Enos Kanter. Oh, I've heard I've, I've heard people call Montrez Harrell black Enos Kanter, yo, and now I can't unsee it because he don't play no defense, right? Yeah. And I I didn't pay that much attention to the Clippers season, but mm. when he won six man, I realized oh Montrez Harrell averaged nineteen points a game, right? So what that right. told me is that the Clippers are gonna try to win a championship relying on Montrez Harrell to score twenty points a game. Like, did that seem like a recipe for a success? No, but don't put it on Paul George, man. Don't put it on Paul George. He's well, a great player. Paul George was, t- bro. Like, yeah, he, but he's shown he you in the playoffs. That he's shown was you in the that? playoffs. He's shown you in the playoffs that he could do it. But pre-injury. Because his playoff performances post-injury have, by and large, been subpar. Yeah, but he's a better player. Yeah, but that but that's part that's part of the point that I was making because a lot of the times where Paul George, when you when you talk about he's done it, quote unquote, like it was him as the best player. And like when I talk about other good players around him, I just mean other player, other players that the defense needs to respect. Yeah. 
because like they're like like Lou Williams isn't Lou Dort that you're just not gonna guard him. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like Paul George should be one of the better one-on-one players. Kawhi in the pick and roll sometimes looks Kobe-esque. Like I'm just like okay, there are enough people around you where they receive enough attention that attention that you can be good enough or you can play to the potential, play to your potential. But uh, you want to call it the bubble or whatever, but I was like uh, embarrassingly wrong about that. And I don't know, that, that whole series is really but, frustrating. Why, but here's my question. Why are we so sure that Paul George is a number two man? If all of his worst playoff performances come with him as a number two. No, with him as a number one. The Pacers, Pacers. He went head to head with LeBron. Pacers pre-injury, but then like, if you look at the Thunder, like he and Russell Westbrook lost to rookie Donovan Mitchell. I don't think he was in number. I don't think he was number one in um in, in with in the playoffs just because in the playoffs Russ's usage goes up so much. That's what my friend was saying because he was yeah he was, Russ, Russ played yeah. different playoffs than he does and he he, he even did that this year with the Rockets. He does he plays differently in the playoffs. Yeah, it's it's, it's kind of frustrating. It's frustrating, it's, bro. I know you know it's frustrating because he's a completely different player in the playoffs in a bad way. He's like he wants to be the reason that they win or lose. I can't, yeah. I can't fault Paul George, bro. Like you say, he was third in MVP voting, bro. You can have a bad series. But the play, but nah, but not that bad. Like if you want to look at his playoff number, like he just had, he would have duds, like four of 19, four of 17, getting lit up by Seth Curry. Like it's just, this is just a lot of things where I'm just like, this isn't the Paul George that I've ever seen. I it does like, seem I, like everybody makes their game winners on Paul George's head, too. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Dave, Dave Miller made it on his head. Luca, Luca, Luca made it on his head. Uh, no, Luca was on uh, Reggie. Kawhi was talking about, and then Reggie. Oh, that was on Reggie? Oh, uh, I felt, I don't know why I feel like Paul George is always getting the game winner on his head, bro. Uh, LeBron dunking on his head. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, man. What do you think with the with the Clippers getting eliminated early? What do you think that um, history is going to say about the Lakers' path to the finals? Considering that they went through, they had to go through the Blazers, um, then they went through the, the Rockets. No offense. Um, uh, the Rock the Rockets had no chance this year. They um, did not. They, they had. Yeah, no we chance. spoke about that previously. Yeah, we spoke about it. They had yeah. no chance this year. It was it was done. It was done. So for them, um, and then they go through the Nuggets. Because the Clippers choked. Yeah. So, you, I mean, and then all and then the Heat. They're up too well, by the way. I mean, so like you if you can't get mad at the Lakers for playing who they were supposed to play. Yeah. Like they did they did what they were supposed to do. Like the Clippers couldn't take care of business. So I'm supposed to believe that the Clippers up three one against the Nuggets would have like given the Lakers a run for their money. Like if you're not gonna get up and play for the Nuggets and do what you gotta do to get to where you're supposed to be. How am I supposed to believe that you're supposed to get up and play against the Lakers? Like, I, I feel like that's a real hard argument to sell. I think matchups has a lot to do with the playoffs, though. Um, I think the Celtics will be playing the Lakers better in the finals, but we also couldn't get past the Heat, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. The thing about the the, the Clippers-Lakers thing was, I mean, part of the Clippers-Nuggets thing, part of that was on Doc, again, playing Montrez, and he was getting killed on defense. So, like... It like it's the players thing matchups, but then like how your coach adjusts like correspondingly, right? Yeah. So if you're not adjusting appropriately, and then the Clippers did have like a lot of like I hate to say this, but like they had good looks like on offense. They missed like, a lot of like good shots. And then there would be times where Kawhi would get matchups that he wanted, and then Jokic would be on him, and then 
he would just pass the ball. And like, I don't, again, like the whole bubble thing, players playing every other day, the whole thing with Kawhi, like Kawhi has a degenerative like knee or quad issue. So the thing is like before what like teams would play, like, there'd be like three days in between games, but if he's playing regular, um, if he's playing every other day, then I'd imagine that his quad is going to get worse and that he can't be the player that he's supposed to be throughout it the entire favors, It favors the young teams. Exactly. Yeah. Um, the, alluding except, for, except for the Lakers. Yeah, but they just the talent disparity is too much. Because the thing is, you know, next year everybody's gonna say AD's the best player in the league. Who? Like start next season. AD. Yeah, everybody. That's gonna be the narrative. That that's, yeah, that that is gonna be the narrative. I mean, yeah. I think I think that what the Lakers have is they have a lot of big big talent, and that's what the Celtics lack. I, I, no, um, the thing that pops out to me, um, especially watching these finals, is how well the the Lakers are busting the zone, and the mm. way that the way that we learn to bust the zone in college is by shooting. Yeah. Right. You shoot them out the zone. Right the middle. Yeah. Um, the Lakers, while they're shooting well, they're also saying they're also, there's another way to bust the zone, which is drive and play volleyball with the bigs. Um, part of that. Cause Bam is out game two. Cause first game he got foul trouble and then got hurt. So he was out and that was yeah. when they went on their run. Yeah. But he wasn't going to play 48 minutes a game. Hundred percent. That's no, and there's only one Bam. Volleyball with the bigs is LeBron driving down, live it to Dwight. Bam reacts to Dwight. Dwight bounce pass to Anthony Davis. Dunk. I seen that happen like four or five times. And the frustrating thing as a Celtic fan was that Daniel Tice couldn't catch the fucking ball. He's not a lob threat. Every time that we pass it to him, it'd be like fumbled pass, out of bounds, little bullshit, um, uh, turnovers, things like that. When I'm watching the Lakers, it just seems like their bigs are just like Dwight Howard. Well, Dwight Howard's coming off the bench. Yeah, well, as a it, role player, they started they they started starting him, but I think part of it is one like the players that they have in the middle of the zone. Like you have LeBron and Rondo in the middle of the zone. That's not fair. Exactly. Right? And then two. And even when LeBron is like, um, like uh, in the short corners, like on the baseline, like, and you put AD in the middle of the zone, like that's not fair. And then two, like Bam's not gonna play forty-eight minutes, but what he could put, like that's that's your job. As a, sorry, he'll play forty. Yeah, but like, the, and then like it's your job as a coach to try to like win the minutes where your best players on the, aren't on the floor, right? Or yeah. try to like figure something out. So like, if Bam isn't there the whole game, I know uh, the the Lakers in the game. I mean, the Heat in game one tried to line up with Andre Iguodala at five, and they were just getting killed. And then that was, and the, the Lakers made their run when Bam got into foul trouble early with LeBron out of the game. So like, what it was that's like, just, but that's just it. Like I don't like. There's no scenario in which Bam, a healthy Bam, doesn't get in foul trouble every game trying to trying to play defense on LeBron, AD, and Dwight Howard. You see the foul calls though, because those are Rota- bad calls. Both rotating of them. late. I mean, bad bad call okay. or not, bad call or not. Like one big man um, rotating late to aggressive um, to aggressive guys attacking the basket. He's gonna get in foul trouble eventually. He's gonna have to have a monster game. He's, he was literally gonna have to play like Dwight Howard 09. I don't know because like in in game two, like uh, if if I pull up the if I pull up the, the game two stats real quick, um, like AD and LeBron, like their their efficiency was out of this world, and the Heat and it was just in the paint, and the Heat were like in the game, like like it was like relatively close, like 15-10, but it's just like in your mind, you're like they just got blown out last game, no Bam or Goran, why is the game close? Kelly Olynyk, the shooting, yeah, but then on defense. Like they're giving up everything at the rim. Yeah, I mean, I it was it was close because they weren't shooting. I mean, so they got blown out game one because they shot the lights out from three. 
Yeah, that when is. A, when, a, when a team shoots the lights out from three, you're going to get blown out. Um, mm-hmm. And then a team can shoot the lights out in the paint. You're definitely going to lose the game, but you could stay in the game. Um, yeah. I never, there was no point where you were watching that game. I actually watched it this morning with no commercials, no timeouts. There was no point during that game where, granted, I knew the score. I knew the outcome, but there was no point where I thought they were going to lose, they were going to lose that game just because everything was so easy. They weren't expending energy. They were having fun, you know, like, nah, you know, nah, you know? And, and so, I mean, listen, well, the Lakers path to the finals is easy, but they're not the first team to have an easy path to the finals. hundred percent. Um, I'm not exactly sure the Clippers were that or as good as we thought. And I'm also not sure the West is as good as we thought. Um, we dropped the Lakers in the Eastern Conference. I'm not sure that they that they go 15 and three or 15 and three or wherever the hell they are right now, right? Like, are they going to uh, get the Bucks four one? I don't think so. I don't think they match up. Like, that's, that's actually tough because the Heat beat the Bucks four one. But I don't know if they beat. I don't know if they're beating the Bucks, the Raptors, and the Celtics the same way that they beat the Nuggets, the Rockets, and the and the Blazers. That's just my thought. I'm not exactly sure that we that the West is as good as everyone made them out to, made the West out to be. The reason why people say the West is good is just like the dispersion of talent, because like the West has more all NBA players. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like that, that, that has a lot to do with it. But then, like, if you want to talk about like the top half of the East versus like the top half of the West, it's pretty equal. It's pretty equal. Look at like, oh, you know. Where is this player playing? Where is this player playing? And then this this side has more All NBA players. This side has more talent. They're going to be better, which isn't like always the case. Yeah, it's not. It's not, especially when you watch uh, teams like the Clippers get out coached. That you was know, so bad, man. It it was rough. It's rough to see that. And then the Sixers went ahead and signed Doc Rivers when nobody on their team likes each other already, mm-hmm. and all the Doc Rivers teams are known for having beef. <laughs> So honestly, I really didn't understand it. I don't. I, I don't know if they're hoping that he could like get Joel Embiid to get in shape or get Ben Simmons to start shooting the ball because Doc is a relationships guy, and I think that that's part of the reason why he was playing Montrez as much as he was. Yeah, um, he has a good relationship with him. Yeah, and like he's like, oh, we might need him for the finals, so I'm gonna let him get into a groove because he was out the bubble for a large time, like yeah. for a long for a long period of time. Yeah, but absolutely. The, Doc thing that was it was like three days after he got fired. So like I, that, that came as a big shock to me. I mean, the, the, the Sixers have no idea what they're doing. The Tobias deal was so bad. It's and so doubled, bad. And they, they doubled, doubled down, down on it. Oh. <laughs> Think uh, about it. Think about it. They decided they took, they signed Tobias Harris over Jimmy Butler. Yeah. That's the thing. And it's funny because two teams passed up on Jimmy, like the Wolves gave Andrew Wiggins money before Jimmy and then I guess the timeline thing, and then they had Andrew Wiggins promise Glenn Taylor, like, oh, um, uh, if yeah, uh, if you pay me, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, um, I'm gonna prove my, I'm gonna work hard. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and then, and then gave him the money, like, what NBA player is gonna? Be like, yeah, hey, I'm, man, you know, nah, that bro. Million. Like what? I know you want to give me this 140, but I just don't know if I have it in me. Yeah, what? Like, <laughs> <laughs> And then, and then the the the, uh, the Sixers too with with Jimmy Jimmy yo and it's so funny because Jimmy was the reason why they were as good as they were last year why they were a bounce away from beating the Raptors and then for them to just like abandon that and be like yeah nah we're good like I don't I don't know man and then the JJ Reddick thing too I guess they didn't have the money because of the Tobias thing and then Cohen no. Hamid in that deal too no 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 no, no 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 here's here's the here's the timeline of the Sixers mistakes. Okay. okay, and I, I hate to say it because Elton Brand, 
Shout yeah. out to Elton Brand in the front office. I actually met him. Um, I, I met Elton Brand when I was uh, when I was at Penn. Um, I actually caught him at um, at 30th Street Station. So mm-hmm. shout out to Elton Brand. Um, he's he's good people's. He's just a terrible, terrible, terrible executive. Um, let's. This is what the timeline is. First, they make that trade. They trade Landry Shamit when we're literally all their weakness is three point shooting. Yep. So they trade Landry Shamit. They get Tobias Harris. I didn't think that was terrible because they had Jimmy Butler at the time, mm-hmm. right? It made their starting five really, really good. All right, offseason comes. They say no to Jimmy Butler. They re-sign Tobias Harris. And then, and then my favorite, my favorite yep. move of the offseason, huh? they, they signed Al Horford, the carcass of Al Horford, to a four-year, hundred-and-something-million-dollar deal. So because they did that, they basically traded um, Al Horford and Tobias Harris for J.J. Redick and Jimmy Butler. Mm. that that was a, that was a trade-off right um and it's just poor team building because we all look at the sixers and we're like what do they need shooting yep shooting that's all they need shooting and they're an M- they're an nba finals team yeah and the the ben simmons thing is a little weird to me too like him just deciding to not shoot the ball like if i, he, I don't think it's i don't think it's weird how is it not? i mean i kind of get that he never really like had to shoot the ball quote unquote because he's always been bigger faster and stronger than whoever's been in front of him yeah, like, but choosing like, but there's a difference between being a poor shooter and not shooting. Yeah, but I mean, like, it's there's been so many great players that, and then and there's so many players in the Hall of Fame that never shot a three. In what in what era? <laughs> like, if you look at '90s basketball, like it'd be so funny because I watch people talk. I listen to people talk about '90s basketball, but if you watch '90s basketball, all like there are literally nine people, eight or nine people standing in the free throw line and down. So like, yes, actions that took part. Okay. I got you. Take Ben Simmons and put him in the heat offense and take out Bam Adebayo. Bam Adebayo doesn't shoot threes. He plays a five. He brings the ball up. They run the offense through him. I don't see why a team can build around Ben, a championship team around Ben Simmons, just like that, because he is Bam Adebayo on steroids. Right. Oh, yes. He, he can. He can. He can defend. He can defend the five. Okay. An off season of work of lifting. He can defend the five just like Bam Adebayo does. He can. Yeah. Run, he can play. He can defend all five positions. He's playing out of position right now with the Sixers because they're just so fucking bad at building. He doesn't fit with Joel Embiid. He's supposed to be a five. I don't know if Ben Simmons is supposed to be a five. He's just supposed to be a five. He's supposed to be a five. Reason, the reason why, part of the reason why people said, like, I get the Giannis as a five thing, because Giannis is not really a passer like that, and he just drives to the basket. But the thing is, like, Ben Simmons, like, the on-ball creation and, like, his presence of mind and ability to run offense, I think is greater than Giannis's, and that's why people see him as point guard. And yeah. I think when he first got there, they, they pronounced him the point guard. So, like, that's the way he's been playing his entire time in the NBA. So he doesn't have to be guarding the point guard position, you know, like he could be a point, he could be a point center and just like bam, bam, like think about like just envision it. Cause this is one of those things where I'd be trying to say like to be a great basketball mind. And I'm not calling myself a great basketball mind. I I just think like I'm, uh, I'm above average smarter. Right. Uh, If I can toot my own horn for a second, Mm -hmm. but like, you just have to envision it for a moment. You see how the nuggets run their offense. Yeah. You see how the Heat run their offense. And th- you have to be able to wrap your mind around Ben Simmons has the exact same skill set as those as Jokic. 
except he can jump out the gym and he's way faster. Think about it. Yeah. Uh, you know, because what Jay, Ben Simmons has a good inside the paint hook shot over both shoulders. He has a good fadeaway from like eight feet. <sighs> he does. He does. He does. But that just he sounds- does. I know it sounds terrible. <laughs> it sounds terrible, but he has a great fadeaway from eight feet and he can finish. What's yeah. the difference between him and Jokic, bro? I mean, there's a big difference between him and Jokic. Jokic can shoot, like, <laughs> but... Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. so that, that's why I try not the to compare thing, to I see, I see where you're going with the band. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think Bam offers, like, a little more rim protection. and But, yeah, I see where you're going with that. I think I need to watch more of both of them play. Yeah, I Ben Simmons. That, I think a coach just has to be imaginative. Sorry? No, my bad. I, I just think a coach has to be imaginative about Ben Simmons and how to use him. Point guard is just so because if you put on a point guard, now you're trying to force him to shoot and yeah. shit like that um, to make the off to make the offense work. And that's just you know who I. That's bad coaching. I can't think of. Okay. I I just can't think of like I'm trying to think of another example of basically you're taking a player, you're putting him in a position before you putting it, you're not putting him in a position to succeed. You're putting him in a position that where he's not going to succeed, and you're asking him to make you right. Honestly, you know? that's 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 pretty valid. Like I I never thought of like the the Ben Simmons in a Bam type of position because like they're the same size roughly. Bam is like I think Bam offers like more rim protection, but it's not something that Ben Simmons yeah. can run. And then if you got Ben Simmons catching the ball at the four or the five on a fast break, like it's over. There's no um, reason why Ben Simmons couldn't rim protect as high as he can jump. Yeah, to be honest, and his instinct defensively, because he's already and he could guard one through five. He was supposed to be the Tatum stopper. <laughs> yeah, bro. Like he 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 is a he is a Tatum stopper. I'm not going. Yeah, but no. the thing I like about the thing I like about Ben Simmons and Tatum is, while I think he he defends Tatum the best, he also brings the best out of Jason Tatum. So yeah. I'm of the argument that if he was playing in that series, it would have been a closer series, but we would have seen a be- even a, an even better Jason Tatum. Because I think I think he's one of those type of dudes. I really do think he's one of those type of dudes that that rise to the competition. That's and, and it's difficult for him to get up when Duncan Robinson is checking him. He, set, he settles. He settles like like when he has a, a mismatch. It's not he doesn't do a good job about, against mis, mis, uh, mismatches. The best games. The best. Be, be, what'd you say? Part of that could be a strength thing. Not to say that Jason Tatum isn't strong. And a little mental. Because I'm telling you, I've seen him against Kawhi and Paul George. He's a different player. I've seen you talk about it. It's funny. Against against LeBron James, he's a different player. Against LeBron James, he's a different player. Even before the bubble, I remember you saying that Jason Tatum was better than Paul George. And low-key, I kind of thought you were crazy. But then as the season progressed, (laughs) I was like, yo, you might might be onto something. And and it's it's not numbers. It's not the yeah. numbers that makes me think that. It's from watching them. And it's like, oh. And then watching them on the same court. It's like, oh, it's just a different way that Jason Tatum carries himself. Paul yeah. George never carried himself the way Jason Tatum is carrying himself as a 22-year-old. You know what I'm saying? And maybe because... Was Paul George going head-to-head with LeBron at 22? 70-game series? LeBron not, Duncan, Birdman, LeBron... I mean, not, uh, not, when you, not, when he was 20, not when he was 22. Um, because Paul George was in college for two years. Uh, his first year, his rookie year, he didn't do nothing. His second year was emerging. His third year was the year he went head-to-head with LeBron. And he was mm-hmm. averaging 23. And even then, he wasn't carrying himself. Danny Granger was like the closer for most of that year. And then he emerged in the playoffs against LeBron. You know, he wasn't like – or Danny Granger got hurt that year. My bad. Yeah, Danny Granger how, got hurt. How yeah, that, that, that's, how he, that's how he took the leap. Danny Granger got hurt, and then Paul George became the guy. But 
I still think the leader of that team was David West. Right, he like he was like the pound my chest type of dude, and like getting LeBron. You say the same thing about Marcus Smart on the Celtics, right? What's up? You say the same thing about Marcus Smart on the Celtics, right? You know yeah, to to a degree. But Jason Tatum, Jason Tatum dunked on LeBron his rookie year, and then um he should have gotten a tech for it, but he bumped him. Yeah, I remember. And Paul George was it wasn't going to do that. Paul George would adapt him up, like like yeah, like good job, LeBron. Or he, you know, like. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, that. yeah. Paul George is built different, bro. LeBron, Jay, Paul George in the face, and Paul George dapped him up in a playoff game. Uh, that was built different. Uh, Paul George, Paul George, a blue pass LeBron and dunked on Birdman, and then LeBron dapped him up as he went to the bench. Oh, oh, that's that's what happened. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. watched that play like so frequently. That's one of my favorite basketball plays. Yeah, and I thought that was uh, I thought Paul George was going to be like next level after that. You know, yeah. I don't know what it's. It's mental, bro. A lot of that's. Uh, it's mental. It it's me- huh? I think part of it was the injury with Paul George. I can't say that because he can't. The the leg injury or the yeah. shoulder. The leg. Oh, so both actually, because I think the the leg kind of messed up his mental for a little bit, and I think it messed with his trajectory. And then the shoulder, like that's just an annoying injury to have, especially like as a shooter. I don't think he attacks the rim the same way. He's become more of a shoot shooter a little bit since he came back but i think that made statistically that made him better a better player on paper just because his three-point shooting has gone up and all those things since injury he's on paper a better player i think mentally he hasn't been there since then and i think that's okay i don't think everybody gotta be uh gotta be um gotta be kobe you know but um well we're, we're running up on time. I want to get to a couple things with you before we leave here. Um, real quick, um, biggest surprise of the playoffs? Jamal Murray, 100%, because I've been, <laughs> waiting, I've been waiting for him to make that leap, like, as a player. And I was looking at, like, his, like, stats, like, shot distribution and all that stuff. But the only thing that's changed is just, like, his shot-making ability, like, on paper. But then, like, I didn't realize, like, how shifty he was and how – Finishing at the rim, bro, and he's quick. Yeah. And, and it's not even like the 360 layup that he did. It was just like the English that he used, different angles and all that stuff, even with, with uh, Gobert and whatever being there. Like, it was a lot. And I didn't see, like, the finishing at the rim. And he, the had the Jordan, he had the Jordan layup. One of, uh, around LeBron, like, it's just like, bro, like, but Jamal Murray, 100%. Yeah, uh, it's hard not to say Jamal Murray um, because I didn't see him being this, like, this Allen Iverson level type player. Um he he does remind me a lot of like a like Baron Davis. Really? Um, yeah, he the gives me the crazy thing. Yeah, yeah. The shot making. See, the shot making. He reminds me of a more efficient Allen Iverson as far as the shot making goes. Um, and um, I think he has underrated handle. Yeah, um, he has underrated footwork. Uh, I'm still working on like my best comparison for Jamal Murray. I really don't know who to like. You know. I think the best thing I can say is a six-five, less less quick, um, less athletic, but still very athletic version of of Allen Iverson, or like he's like Gilbert Arenas. No, nah, he's he not Gilbert. Gilbert Harden and Gilbert are more the same because of the the three the, the ISO, the three pointing and the three pointers, and getting to the free throw line. Those two, like, because they could give it to you whichever way you want it. The Jamal thing, I struggle with the Jamal thing because Iverson was more of a like a little bit more of an ISO player. And Jamal really benefits from having yo like that. The one thing I think about like small guards. That's, my, that's that Mike game. Malone, bro. 
It's coaching. I mean, but the thing is, what else would you run realistically, like with Jokic and Murray? Like with those two man games, right? Huh? They're just two man games. Two man exactly. games. Exactly. Yeah. So like part of that, like with, with guards in the NBA that can shoot, like you need to have a competent big on the other side of that screen who can make plays or a competent person. And not to like talk about the Rockets too much, but like that's the thing that most frustrated me most about Russ. Cause if James Harden is getting the way d- doubled the way that he's getting doubled, Russ is technically a point guard. Like if you're on the backside of that double and there's a four on three and you have the ball, Russ has the ball in his hands, he should be making a play out of that, like eight times out of ten. Yeah. Or you get a good shot. But that just never happened. And it was just no. mad disappointing to watch. They don't actually run the offense though. So that's expected. I mean, you know, I, I feel like we all we 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 demonstrate insanity when like the teams that don't run offenses get to the playoffs and 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 spaz out. And we're like, why is this happening? Well, like, you know, they don't run the offense. That's that's part of the deal. Um, but yeah, uh I, I feel you on that. I, I agree that he'd be one of the biggest surprises. I think um, since you went that rather than me echoing that, I'm gonna go to the Eastern Conference. I think one of the biggest surprise was the Bucks flame out. Um, yeah, I don't think. They but were. but it wasn't surprising because they played the Heat, and the Heat was the only team that would have done that to them. To be honest yeah. with you, the Bucks would have beat the Celtics in the same way that the Heat beat them, except they would have beat them playing man. Um, the Bucks would have beat the Raptors. The Bucks would beat every other team in the Eastern Conference except for the Heat. I don't think they would have beat the Celtics. I, I even before the bubble, like I picked the Celtics to take the Bucks only because, like I, I, I watched them, bro. It's a bad matchup, bro. It, I don't know. It's like it's just the the strength of the rope, like everybody else. Because like I think the Heat, they did benefit from the Bam and Crowder experiment, not experiment, but the Bam and Crowder effect, like having multiple bodies guard <laughs> him. But a lot of it is like the converging, like having the players to converge and get back. And the Bucks shooters, they're not really, like, that great. Like, you have George Hill and Middleton, but then outside of, the, you have um, what's his name? I don't think George Hill is, like, a volume three-point shooter, but then you have Bledsoe, and then you have Pat Connaughton, and then you have Dante DiVincenzo. You got Brooke Lopez, but I just don't think that, like, the shooting was enough, and Giannis's game is too predictable. I, we, don't have, we, we don't have anyone for Giannis. That's the problem. Yeah, y'all like, got a the, the Heat, The Heat have three people for Giannis, two really, Three of you count Andre Iguodala. Mm. Um, the Celtics put Semi in the game who can't score. <laughs> um, he can make those. I, listen, I know I said I brought that now, but. Yeah, put him in yeah, the corner. Uh-huh, they just put him in the corner. He, he He's money from the corner, though. I'm not going to lie. He did a little quick thing, and he, he money from the corner. All you but, need. It's all you need. But the Bucks, man, they're disappointing. Um, and on the same on that same front, I guess if the Bucks were surprising, then he also had to be surprising, right? Yeah. Um, no, no one saw that coming. They people are putting Spo in the in the Hall of Fame now when he hasn't won fifty games without LeBron. Um, they were they were dropping in the in the in the standings before the 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 uh, the league took the break. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they just got. I think they're a product of the bubble. Yeah, and so literally, they're a great. They're literally an example of a surprise. Uh, Jamal Murray, uh, he's been playing great. It's not that surprising because, like I like you said. You were waiting for him to break out, right? Yeah. We were all waiting for him to break out. We saw what he did to the Celtics last year against Kyrie, when he was uh, when he dropped fifty on them, and Kyrie got mad. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah, Jamal Murray has had that in him. He's just not consistent, and I think the bubble is a perfect um, situation for young players to put together some consistency. Yeah, you no, know, because it, he was. I heard. I don't know. Like, I think in like January, February, like I heard Zach or before like the NBA shut down, I heard Zach Lowe talking about before and then before the mainstream media picked up the heat um, being like real, a real threat to the Bucks. 
I heard Zach Lowe talking about I think the Heat could be like legitimate. Like I think they can like match up against the Bucks. And like that's why th- that wasn't that surprising to me, the Heat beating the Bucks, because I didn't think the Bucks were gonna make the count the fi- the finals anyway. But like the Heat, maybe like the Heat's play like in totality, like them beating the Celtics, sure. But the Heat versus Bucks, that was a surprise. Yeah, that yeah, was a surprise. In five games too. Yeah, I guess that was a surprise. Six games, six, 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 six games, six games, six games. Oh, Heat versus Bucks. No, oh no, Celtics, Celtics. Oh, oh, no, no, no. oh I thought okay. you, I thought you, was, I thought you should oh, play no, my no, boys. No. Yeah, yeah. The Heat, Heat versus Heat versus uh, Bucks in five games. Yeah, I think that was surprising. But I think them winning in general, I didn't think was that surprising to me. Um, but then the Heat versus Celtics, that was a little surprising to me. For sure, for sure. I was surprised the Celtics couldn't figure out that zone. And um, I, I couldn't sleep for two days. <laughs> but, but you know, I, I think I woke up on the third day and I realized, oh, the Celtics are the youngest team to make this conference finals in NBA history. Um, and uh, they're basically a college team when you think about it. Think about their best players. And you think about who's who – you think about the, the um, NCAA March Madness. Right. And the and how those upsets happen sometimes is yeah. when the less talented team plays can play zone and um the better team like UCLA or um you know Kevin Durant's uh Texas Longhorns, like they go cold, they can't make a shot. And that's how those upsets happen. Um and I'm actually checking my notes. The Celtics are actually the third youngest team to ever mm-hmm. make the the, the the conference finals. So um the future is bright for them. So it's not it's not as uh depressing anymore yeah the yeah. Only, only thing i would say about that is when you talk about like young as far as like age and experience are two different things they're very experienced yeah exactly so for to some extent like you can't judge them like you would a lot of other young teams because jalen brown's been to i think three conference finals jason tatum's been to two, conference two. Finals. so like i don't I, I don't know the celtics like they are young and jason tatum's not even on like his mag his second contract yet but yeah. I don't know. I'm just I'm waiting for them to put it together because they those have- aren't those aren't the guys that those aren't the guys that didn't come through though. The guys that like that were choking a little bit, if I'm being honest, was Kemba, yeah. who's actually never been there, lacking yeah. experience. Yeah. Um, Daniel Tice, who again has never started, never been in that situation where mm-hmm. it was that Daniel Tice just had to average ten points and we're in the finals. <laughs> Think of if you, all he had to do was just catch and lob, and yeah. if, and if Robert Williams um was more. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, no, he's mobile. He's definitely mobile. If he was just more um, disciplined on defense and not jumping at everything, they would have they would have started him, right? Because Robert Williams basically averaged a point per minute during the playoffs. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like he's he was nasty, but he just makes too many mistakes on defense. So I don't think the guys who were actually experienced, Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, those guys showed out. They had the best playoffs of their careers. Uh, the guys that are coming back next year, Kemba, Gordon. Um, Daniel Tice, the guys without experience, those are the people that need to step up, and we just need one more big man. We just need one big man, and I think that's it. Yeah, they're flirting the Gordon for uh Miles Turner trades around. I don't know how you feel about that. I like that trade, yeah. I like that trade. I think both, I, bo- I think both teams win, yeah. And Gordon's from Indiana, and, and Gordon's from Indiana, he has a house in Indiana. Yeah. Um, I think that's a good trade, and uh. So yeah, I I hope that happens. To be honest with you, I've seen that going around, and what usually when it go the Celtics trades that people throw around don't ever really happen. So we'll see. Yeah, and I think we'll they typically happen in the off season too, as yeah. opposed to like the middle of the season. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. Uh, 
Um, so uh, last thing I wanted to get to uh, before I let you go, bro, and I, I appreciate you uh, spending this time to, to talk ball, man. Um, let's get let's get to our playoff awards. Got you. Yes. Yeah, uh, I was thinking about starting things like this, but I was like, no, nah, this might be a good way to end it. This might be a good way to end it because um, I feel like we've probably talked about most of these players already. Um, mm-hmm. There's a couple arguments I have to make in case they need to be made. But um, how about you go first? What's your first team looking like? My first team, I feel like we should have the same one. Uh, Jamal Murray, Jokic, LeBron, AD, and Bam. Oh. Yeah, you have three forwards? Four forwards. Um, I mean, to be honest, I kind of did it this way because the bubble awards that they gave out were positionless. Okay, okay. Um, all right, so that's where we're gonna differ because okay. I, I tried to stay uh I tried to stay with some integrity on the positions, right? So my yeah. first my first team, pretty much the same, bro. Joker Davis, LeBron James in the front court. Back court, Jamal Murray for two guard, Jalen Brown. Yo, the thing about Jalen Brown, he's my favorite player on the Celtics. He's my like he he's not my favorite player because Jason Tatum, but like he is like low key. He's low he's key nice. my he's low key my favorite player, bro. He goes about basketball just how I would go about basketball. Bro, you know? he's so nice. And the thing is, like his game seems like, and it's not a knock. It seems like a little like mechanical. Super mechanical. Like it's like a it's like a little rigid, but he still gets it done. So when his game becomes more fluid, like and he's already averaging twenty. So like when his game gets more fluid, you know, yo, who, you know who he works out with in the off season, right? What'd you say? Know who who he works out with in the off season, right? Uh, T Mac. T Mac. Yep. <laughs> T Mac. T Mac. And his game is so T Mac, bro. He love he posts mm-hmm. up. Those like those mid range jumpers right over the smaller guard. Nah, Jalen Brown is nice. And what puts him in the first team for me is he averaged 22, 8, and 1.5 steals, uh, 8 being the rebounds. But he was also, he'd be first team all defense um, also for the playoffs. He's like, every, he's, like a, he's like a mini Marcus, not mini because he's bigger than him, but he's like another Marcus Smart. He's another Marcus Smart, and he makes defending the other team's best player look easy. Like, uh-huh. He makes – he lets everyone know that he's guarding. Like, I'm more athletic than you. Like, I can stay in front of you with my hands behind my back. And that's how him him and Marcus Smart both play defense with their feet like that, where, like, they're not touching you. They're just, like – they just know all your moves. And he's also so cerebral. I could tell he watches a lot of film because the way he made Pascal Siakam short circuit like that right. is what let me know, like, oh, this dude's elite. This dude's that's elite. Like, yeah, that one spin move that Pascal will be going to. Pascal Siakam got three moves, and Jason Tan was like, nope. Nope, nope, nope. Yep. And that, you know, so yeah. Uh, second team, second team. Uh, I'm going to go first. I'm going to go first. So my second team, uh, I got Bam at the center, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, Tatum. Yeah. Uh, Tatum, Tatum power forward. And let me pause on Tatum real quick because it's almost obligatory, okay? <laughs> um, Tatum, Tatum's playoff numbers, right? He has he averaged 25.3, um, and this might have been before this last game, these numbers, but he was fifth. In, in points per game, third in rebounds per game, eighth in assists per game, and third in blocks per game. I just had to. No, I just had to. Man, you got no, no, no arguments from me. Yeah, I know I'm not going to get no arguments for you, but a lot of people are going to listen to this podcast. And I just wanted to throw out that, um, yeah, those are his numbers. Those are his rankings. Um, they're empirical stats. And he is the youngest player in NBA history to, to have 25, 10, and 5 in the playoffs. Youngest player in NBA history. 
All right, since people like to throw out them Tyler Hero, youngest players, let's actually let's talk about something that matters here. All right, now Tatum next, is cold. Yeah, t- yo, Tatum's cold, man. Tatum is cold. That's next. That's uh, young Kobe. Young Kobe for sure. Um, let's not forget that Kobe averaged like 16 points per game the first championship year, right? So yeah. everyone thinks that Kobe woke up and starts averaging 30. Like, nah, his first four years, he was averaging like 20 points a game. So um, Jason Tatum was well on his way. Uh, the other forward, uh, Kawhi. Yeah, which, which was tough, but um, I had to give it to him because he, you know, he played great. Uh, yeah. Jimmy Butler, uh, at the two, and then uh, I hate to say it, man, Kyle Lowry. Uh, what? Kyle Lowry, I know, I know, I, I fucking hate Kyle Lowry, but I couldn't think of another. I couldn't think of another point guard that made it to the uh, that made it to the second round that 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 played better than him. Another point guard, uh-huh. so, no, Jamal Murray. Yo, the thing I don't know, man. I feel oh, like you you want you want to put another t- you want to put another shooting guard in there. Uh, what about James? James Harden? Yeah. Hell no. Well, yo, they won like, one game in, in the second yo, round, bro. The thing about the thing about James Harden in the second round, I was looking at his numbers and like I do agree to some extent that James Harden be disagree- disappearing down the stretch. Some of it is like him not wanting the ball. Some of it is Russell Island. But then, like. If you're a player and you're getting doubled all the time and you're making the right passes, one, what are you supposed to do? Two, his numbers were good. He was efficient. If you want to pull them up, I can pull them up real quick. No, I, got, no, I feel you on that. But they, they lost four. They lost four one, and he played no defense. Yeah, like, no, no, no defensive plays. To some extent, like, like I'm, I'm big on expectation, right? Like, the Lakers had the two best players in the series by far. I know. So, like, how, I mean, how many- I mean, is, is it by far? James Harden's a former MVP. He's supposed to be good, right? Are we talking regular season or NBA? And that's another thing I wanted to bring up. Like, I don't think there's ever been this big of a gap between regular season players and postseason players. Yeah. I don't think it's ever been this bad. Because the tempo during the season, bro. Because the tempo during the season, tempo during the season, there's a lot of free baskets, and um, you play a different team every night. Yeah. So you know, it's just like it's not gonna, like defensive adjustment is not going to be there, but yeah, no, I can't, I can't give harder, I can't give harder than not over Kyle Lowry as much as I hate Kyle Lowry with a with a passion. I watched every game, I watched every game of that series twice. Uh, Kyle Lowry was um, at times one of the most, uh, you know, effective players on the court, not just by scoring, not just by scoring. You know, it was just like being annoying, uh, getting calls. Not giving up, you know. Um, they probably if he if he had the attitude James Harden had, they probably would have gotten swept. So <laughs> I, I, I give a lot of people say stuff like that, but James, like the, the reason why they would even be in the game half the time, like is because of James. Like if you want to look at like a plus minus and all that stuff, like over the entire series, James Harden was a plus. The thing is when he goes out the game, we got Russ running the offense, but who else? Like, I know you're big on basketball players that can dribble pass and shoot. The Rockets legitimately have two of them. Yeah, so like, I mean, that's Eric Gordon being the second one. Yeah, but that's how it's built because of James Harden. Because they they built a team around James Harden's strengths and stuff like that. Yeah, but he's still playing well though. Not yeah, he's playing. He's playing well on one on one side of the court. Hey man, talk to come talk to me about Lou Dort and that block. Yeah, listen, I Lou Dort. Lou Dort. You mean, you mean thirty points, uh, six for twelve from three? Lou Dort. That game was stressing me out, bro. Lou Dort. Was he oh, Dean Lou Dort the whole game? Was Lou Dort raining on him the whole game? Who was who's who was Dean Lou Dort? Oh, nobody. Open. Oh yeah, nobody was guarding. He was open. He See, was open. I mean, yeah, that's, I mean, that's strategy. But strategy. Yeah. Well, what's what's your second team like? Uh, I got Kawhi, Tatum, Luca, Jimmy, and Lowry. Yeah, let's talk about Luca. I was ready. I came prepared for the Luca Tatum argument, bro. 
I'm not arguing. I'm not arguing Luka Tatum because there's no there's no comparison right now. We're talking about playoffs, playoff awards, and my, Luka was home, so I that can't. That is true, but his he did it on a bum ankle, and his second best player played three and two and a half games. I don't want to hear about. I want to hear about injuries. Wait, if you're on the court, first of all, you you've done that twice to me now, and I don't like it because as an, as an athlete, as an athlete who played yeah. at a high level, um, yeah, all, we're all we're, we're always we're all, we're always hurt. Oh, my only problem here's my here's my knock against Luca. Okay, and I've already I've telegraphed this argument already. Um, plus minus, right? His uh, his net his plus minus um, isn't impressive for an elite player. His net rating is was I'm pretty sure it was negative for the series. It was negative for the playoffs when I checked it um before game six. Yeah, negative net rating, um, which isn't plus minus. This net rating actually, even in a even in a six game sample, there's some legitimacy to your offensive offensive efficiency minus your defensive efficiency. Yeah, um, it's basically it's plus minus but aggregated. All the yeah, average. yeah, it's, yeah. It's it's a little bit more analytical and it's relevant here because it's highly deterministic again of the outcome of the game. Yeah, right, and how you affect the game, like win shares, things like that. Luca just isn't there. Um. He's not there. And this and here's the other thing about Luca. When we really dive into the stats, they had one of the greatest, they had the um analytically the greatest offense of all time, and they were a seventh seed, right? Um, uh, it's worth mentioning that we changed the rules. When you get a second, when we you when you get a second chance shot, you have 14 seconds now. So there's more possessions in the game. Uh they actually do a pretty good job with offensive rebounds because they shoot a lot of threes. So they have a lot of second chance points. Um they run. They, their their pace was astronomically high, and they sh- they shoot a whole. He has a whole bunch of shooters around him. He plays with four shooters around him. He does. Right? So here's the thing: they don't have a rebounder. Okay, they don't have a rebounder. They remind me a lot of when Russ was running the things for the Oklahoma City Thunder, where um, where Stephen Adams, who's seven feet seven feet one, is all of a sudden he's averaging like seven rebounds, eight rebounds a game because he box out. He would box out for Russ to get the rebound. Um, and that was strategy because the when the person who gets the rebound brings it up, it can it speeds the possession up. It's faster, right? Because now you have four people running up the court and one person with the ball as opposed to two people in the backcourt. So the way the Mavericks run their offense and run their team is conducive to Luca putting up these ridiculous numbers and that's the old, that's the argument for all the Luca fans is the triple double blah 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 listen he he aired his 29 point I'm not going to stand he's, he's extremely gifted around the hoop he can finish in traffic uh he reminds me of Paul Pierce when he finishes in traffic slow crafty doesn't really jump any high doesn't really mm-hmm. jump that high he's in, he's in cruise control and I just posted some highlights of Paul Pierce in the finals in 2008 I hope you saw it because I saw, I saw you said Paul Pierce outplayed Kobe, and I just closed the app. I'm not. He did that. outplay Kobe in the finals. I, you were wrong. I just didn't watch. Uh, okay, I got you. All right, all right fair, fair, fair. But I'm not. I'm not. I'm not walling. He he outplayed Kobe in the finals. Um, Kobe had an awful finals in 2008, and we just kind of forgot about it because he won the next two. Yeah. But Luca, gifted around the hoop, terrible three point shooter. Okay, so the thing about Luca is, you want to talk about like his net rating. So if you want to talk about his overall net rating for the series, like in all likelihood, it would be negative one because like they lost. They lost. Two, and two, you're asking him to outplay like 
at what, what at the time what we would thought was the best cohort of wing defenders in the league, right? You're asking him to outplay Kawhi, Paul George, um, Marcus Morris, like all of them. Like as Jamal, Jamal Murray did. Is Jamal huh? Murray better than Luca? Stop, stop. Jamal, Is Murray, Jamal better. Murray better than Luca? Luca have Jokic? Huh? Luca have Jokic? Bro, is Jamal Barry? I mean, it doesn't matter. The uh, Kawhi, 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 and Paul George weren't ding up Jokic. They were ding up the perimeter guy. So Jokic was the Jokic was, was the matchup. I'm probably. just saying, I watched Murray cook. He did a hundred percent. Luca was okay. cooking them too, but Luca had somebody else that was a, a great on ball creator. And then if you look at if you want to talk about the greatest offense ever, like. You talk about points per possession, so it normalizes per possession. If you're talking about regular points per game, fine. That can be an inflated, inflated stat. But if you're talking about points per possession, that's why the Mavs had the greatest offense in NBA history. Points per possession, again, it's skewed if you shoot a lot of threes. I mean, yeah, 100%. And you can you can contextualize that But in, uh, as far as, like, historically. But if we're talking about now, as, far, like, as in relation to everybody else in the NBA, who, like you said, everybody else caught up is doing what uh, a lot of teams are doing, what other teams are doing, then you can't take that away from him, right? And then if you look at Luka's numbers, right, I think, like, the average or the median true shooting percentage in, in median true shooting in the, in the playoffs so far was, like, 0.57. Luka's at 0.6. So he's an efficient scorer. Point six is really good. He's an efficient for, scorer. For what? Through shooting. 60%. 60%? I, I, I missed it. Was it points per possession? No, true shooting. His true oh, shooting. Oh, his, oh, his true score. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. So, no, point six is good. Point six is good. Absolutely. Average in the NBA uh, at that time was point seven. Tatum is at point seven. I mean, point five seven. Tatum yeah. is at point five seven. So Luca's more efficient. In the playoffs, Luca was more efficient in the regular season. But you, if you want to talk about inflated numbers, I mean, I guess, but that's just the style of the NBA. I know this dude, Ben Falk, does this thing like heliocentric basketball, how one player controls the ball all the time, um, like LeBron, Tarden, Luca, like all those types of players. But the thing is, like, Luca's doing it and is wildly efficient doing it. And like, yeah, you want to talk about the shooters that he has, but the thing is he doesn't, he has good shooters, but he doesn't have the on-ball creators that Tatum has. If you want to talk about two-way play, Tatum's got it. But Luca's offense is like insanely good. Not, and not, not to cover the disparity on defense. Like you said it, he has, he has a 0.6, Tatum's at a 0.57. Their difference in their defense isn't that difference in 0.03. You feel me? I hear and, that. And I'm looking at, I'm looking at this numbers, like the, the points per possession, like Dallas was 1.15, Boston was 1.12, right? So like, yeah, you know, it, when, when they're talking about the greatest offense of all time, they're not measuring it by, it's not points per possession, it's their, their efficiency, points per game. Um, I'm pretty sure, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's offensive rating and points per game is how they're, they're offensive doing. rating is points per possession. Like if you score one point, one, two points per possession, there yeah. average 100 possessions in the NBA, so 112 points per game. Okay, got you. Or, or yeah, so that's how they do it. Got you, got you. Hey man, that's why you. That's why you're in data science, though. You can explain these things to me, bro. I, but my here, here's the thing. All I can do, um, I'm a very, I'm a qualitative guy, right? I'm a financial advisor. I don't do the analyst stuff. But what I do is I look at the numbers. I look at the numbers, interpret data, and I'm talking to clients. I'm like, hey, this is where you should put your money. You should do this like that. You know, we should target this part of the portfolio for 20 years, this part for 30 years, this part for five years, right? So I do, I, I understand how to like, how, I understand how to look at the data and make sense of it without yeah. really understanding what the, what, the, uh, what the formula is. And what yeah. I'm saying is that when I look at the data, 
um, the offensive data for Luca, right? The, the triple-double stat, stat line, the way that reads, it seems a lot more magnanimous than what the actual statistics read, which is 1.15 versus like 1.13, which is the, the Clippers, right? Yeah. Like, that's pretty close. Yeah. And that disparity does not make up for the lack of defense that he plays. Okay, that is valid. That's but- all. He's a great. He's he's gifted. He's Hall of Fame gifted. Are you? Are you? So you're talking about. So are you buying? Uh, if you had a choice, Luca stock or Tatum stock, which one are you taking for the projection for the next ten years? Tatum. Mm. Tatum. I mean, and here's why. It's not. It actually has less to do about what I was just talking about. More to do with Luca has been a prof- has been a professional. Luca's way more advanced cerebrally than than Tatum is. Tatum, towards the end of the playoffs, was finally getting the opportunity. To, to run some of the same plays Luka gets to run at point guard. And he started averaging seven assists a game um, against the Heat. The Heat was the first time I saw them run, run pick and roll, and try to run the he offense. Ever since Hayward been out, they let him run. They, he came point forward. Yeah, yeah, to a degree, to a degree, but not seven, eight assists a game. Or oh, he wasn't as good at it. Yeah. Right? Like, good. he wasn't yeah. as good at it. Like, this uh, playoffs was the first time I saw Jason Tatum like making those reads that only like I seen Luca make at that level, at that age. But Luca has been playing professional ball for four five, six years already. Yeah. Right. Um, he's the only, the place where Luca gets, has an opportunity to grow is physically. And okay. She- yeah. Yeah. I, I think he's already like near LeBron's level of genius as far as running an offense. He's very close. He's very He's very close to there, but that's my point, though. Like, LeBron's has improved mentally since he's been in the NBA, okay? He's, he's actually declined physically a lot since he's been in the NBA, of course, because he's been there for 17 years. Mm-hmm. Luca, can you imagine Luca when he's another step slower? <laughs> wait, wait, talk about, talk about, talk about, talk about. What do you mean? He's, is this is his second year in the league. Like, he's going to get faster first. His body, his body caught up. The one of the biggest. Luke, Luca's gonna get fat. He is gonna get. He's gonna get quicker. He's gonna have a three-year window. In his mid. And have he's gonna a, be a better shooter. Nah, come he's on. Gonna have man. a three-year window. That's so. Those are the two places he has to improve. He gets to improve. All right, his athleticism and his shooting. But his his true shooting was better than like like his overall scoring as like true shooting was better than Tatum's because he, he gets to the foul line more. He just got to the foul line more. And he I don't even think he gets there more. And even if he's a worse free throw shooter. Yeah, he is, but he gets there he, 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 because he can but, get to the basket and convert. Yeah, I think he's better at the rim, bro. I don't think that's I don't think that's debatable. I think Luca is better at the rim. I said that he's like Paul Pierce at the rim. He finishes. He's crafty. Uh, I don't know why that like Paul Pierce is a Hall of Fame player. Why are you laughing? It's funny hearing somebody say somebody's this good, but they like Paul Pierce at the Paul rim. Pierce averaged twenty eight points a game. Like, what do you I'm mean? Not he's not good, bro. He was an elite wing. He was, he was an elite wing offensive player for five six years. Yeah, on, a, on a terrible team like it's you know it's not it's not crazy i'm saying like he's he's great at the, he's not like Kyrie at the rim but he's better than jason that's jason tatum's weakness it's finishing yeah. at the rim and i think that a lot of that has to do with luca's been playing against grown men since he was 16 he knows how to finish um he's not a better he's like the the reason why the disparity isn't greater is because jason tatum is by far a better three point shooter especially yeah. un, especially unassisted so mm-hmm. So yeah, it's, it's the the offense part. Believe it or not, is is almost almost a toss up. 
No. It's almost a toss-up because, listen, bro, hey, bro, listen. You're talking about – you said true scoring, I mean, true shooting percentage, 0.6 versus 0.57. Okay, part of that is also on volume, though, because, like, typically the more offense you require – like, the more you do on offense, the less efficient you get. But Luka literally does everything and is more efficient. But if you can, if you can control, like, all right, I'm doing this at this point. That's this not that's point. that's that's not true for everybody. Some people need the ball in their hands to be efficient. Well, I mean, generally, but like that's just a general principle in basketball. The yeah, more but you, it, the less efficient you typically get. Are we speaking in generalities though? Or are we talking about two players? I'm telling what you. I, what, I, what I'm saying is like 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 with Luca, like that's a general generality, and Luca does not abide by that. Like that's how good he is. Yeah, but there's people, there's plenty of people like that, man. Russell Westbrook, Russell Westbrook, Russell Westbrook was better, was more efficient. Wait, Russell Westbrook, Russell Westbrook has gone both ways. There's times where, like, he was less efficient, believe it or not, when KD was there and his efficiency went up the next two years, right? And then he crashed down. He started, then he crashed after his, his, uh, the second triple double year. Yeah. But, you know, you know, like that, this, it's a rule, but not with great players. Not with, with Russ. Like Russ is efficient. I think Russ's efficiency stayed about the same. It was just the volume went up. So like, oh, okay. I see what you're saying. I just I see what you're saying. My bad. My bad, my bad, my bad. Exactly. Exactly. Like, that's, that's my point. Russ wasn't. I don't think Russ was like. I don't think what Russ and Luca are doing are like really like that comparable because like, I don't know. Like this is my like Luca versus Tatum. Like Tatum can make the right read and make the right passes. But I don't think Tatum is like literally manipulating a defense the way Luca manipulates a defense today. He's it. not. He's not, bro. That's but that's my point. He's not even there. He's not even there. Like as far as experience, like there's there's this one stat that I wish I don't have access to. I think it's proprietary. It's called like offensive load. Um, I can send you the video about it afterwards. But yeah, it talks about how because you know how usage rate only takes into account the possessions that end with a shot by you or a turnover by you. Yeah. So what happens to the all the playmaking opportunities where you created a shot for somebody? Like that doesn't count towards your usage rate. That counts yeah. towards somebody else's usage rate. But the thing is, if you look at those stats, like it'll show you how much of a playmaker Luca is and how much of the offensive burden is on his shoulders. But I do hear what you're saying about the Russell Westbrook and his vol- his volume went up, but his efficiency stayed about the same. I hear yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. And and here's my thing: it's it's not a straight line relationship. I do think that if they gave Jason Tatum that load, his efficiency would dip at first, and then it would skyrocket. Yeah, yeah. He's, because he's a great player, you he give a great player a load, he'll figure it out. My point is, Luca has been doing this for five, six years already. He's been running a team of thirty-something-year-olds. As a point he's guard, he yeah, go. he's ahead of the curve. I'm so I'm 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 there with you. He's he's his uh, mentally, he's way ahead of Tatum on the offensive side. Okay, the disparity here's where the disparity happens is on the defensive side, right? And the, the gap between them defensively is way way greater than the gap between them on offense. And that's all I'm saying is, and that shit matters, bro. That's why he's out of the playoffs. That's not why he's out. That's why he's out of the playoffs, man. Oh, you know why? You know why he's out? You know why he's out of the playoffs? Because he was a seven seed and he got the second team, second best team in the league, right? They had a whole seed. He had a whole season with a unicorn to get the sixth seed or the fifth seed or the fourth seed. Huh? Wasn't he hurt for part of the year? Yeah, I think he got hurt. And they played be- They played well without him. Really? Yeah, Kristaps played well without him. The team, the team, they didn't, they, mm. they, they did a good job without him. 
they, they, very good job. So, like, that's the other thing. A lot of people are like, oh, his team's worse. I'm like, hey, I saw him get hurt and the Mavericks started winning games. So you had the whole season to not – we knew that the first two seasons were going to be the Lakers and the Clippers. We knew that. So you had all season to get the sixth or the fifth seed, and you did it. So the fact that you ain't make the second round, that, like, that's, that's, how the, that's how the cookie crumbled, bro. And if, and if he was a two-way player, I do think he could have been the team, been the player to upset the Clippers because the Clippers were, were ripe in the first, first round. They were ripe. I don't, I don't, I don't think, I think with Kristaps going down and then to ask him to be the best offensive player, but then by and large be the best defender too, and then guard Kawhi too and screen and rolls or whatever. I think that that's too much to ask for one. And then their motherfuckers need to stop putting him in the same sentence as LeBron. If that's the case, you know what I'm saying? He got MVP votes, didn't he? He first team all, he was first team all NBA, wasn't he? That's what we ask of those type of players. But now all of a sudden you telling me it's too much to ask from Luca. You see the curve? Nah, you I, see the I, curve. I, I, you're, I, I, guilty. you're guilty of the no, curve, no, bro. You no, just don't no, want to admit no, it. You're no, guilty no, of the no, curve. No, you no, made no, it on the I, curve, bro. He first team on NBA. But that Eastern Conference was was. was Who else? Who else is first all team? Is first team all NBA, and we don't expect them to one get out of the first round or two carry their team defensively as well. No, that happens all the time. People make first team or second team all NBA, and they're not necessarily the best defenders. Like Russ did that. Russ won an MVP. Russ is MVP. James Harden should have Russ as MVP. Russ is better on defense than um than Luka. No, Russ, no, people say that Russ is good on defense because he's athletic, but Russ don't pay attention on defense. I got you, but he's still, but yeah, but he's still a better defender than than Luka. I, I think Luka is as much as a turnstile as you're making him seem because like he like the thing about Luka is he's six eight, so like it's not like he's getting switched on and people just picking on him. And again, like they hide about, him, they hide him, they hide him. Yeah, but the thing is like. Like, Luca's not like a Kemba, where, like, he's, like, going to get picked on like that. Nah, he's not. He's a, he's, a, he's, a big, he's a big kid. He's a big kid. Exactly. So it's, harder, so it's harder to, like, say that, like, he's, like, that bad defensively only because he's that big. But yeah, if, but like, he is, though. And that's a problem. How you, You're 6'8". You can't be that bad defensively. You got to just accidentally okay. block somebody every once in a while, don't you? Damn, just stand there and put your hands up, boy. I don't, even, I don't know how bad you think he is, bro. I don't nah, think he's that bad. He's yo, every, every game, every game I've watched of him, two things are very apparent. One, this guy is gifted at, at the rim. I, I know he's a good pastor. What surprises me every time I watch them is how good he is at the rim. And also what surprises me um, every time I watch them is he's so bad defensively that on their team, Tim Hardaway Jr., Ends up getting the the the, the defensive assignment, and I don't we think that's a function of him being bad. I think no, 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 no. But, but think about it though. Tim Hardaway Jr. has never, Good. ever been defensive guy, but on the Mavericks, okay, everyone else on. I mean, Seth Curry obviously he's not going to be defending nobody, the, the best wing, um, best wing or point guard, nothing like that. But they put Tim Hardaway on the best player on offense to hide Luca and Tim Hardaway is terrible at defense and that was yeah. that's an expenditure thing like what would you do if you have two players who are who are bad on defense but one is really good at offense so you're gonna have him carry the load on both sides of the court that's not fair and then really quickly about the point that you made about people not playing defense and then making first teams like there was a year James Harden like there was a montage of him like not playing defense granted he didn't make all NBA but like James Harden made all NBA 16, 17, 18. First and, team? Yeah. 2020 uh first team. Last year, first team. His first year, his, his first year making first 
first team, I feel like, well, I was the year he started playing defense, though. It was 16, 17. What year did he win MVP? Um, that was 17, wasn't it? I think that was Russ's year. Six, I think 16, 17 was Russ's year. Okay. Uh, or I might be, I might be one year off. Yeah, 16, 17 was Russ. 17, 18 was Harden. Yeah, 17, 18 was the first year Harden started playing defense. But he was played. all the way the year before, though. Yeah, and I mean, he, but he also had a legendary, he had a legendary offensive year. And then who else? Uh, James, Yo- James Harden has been, James Harden was, it, it was averaging 30, though. You want to talk about turnstile. Jokic was a turnstile. That's why Jamal. Wait, 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 wait. Where did the Rockets finish in the Western Conference when they named him first team All NBA? I'll wait. Um, You're a Rockets fan, you know. They were, they were, they, I mean, they, had, they weren't, they weren't any lower than the third seed, right? Doubt it, but that that's more MVP voting than it is All NBA. For all All NBA, um, generally these are guys that these are obviously high performers. But the difference between first and second team a lot of times is team is the uh, team performance. I just I don't. Th- there's not a lot of precedent for me that I've seen of a seven seed um, being led by a player who doesn't play defense getting first team All NBA. Okay, there's, there's not a lot of precedent for that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, Dame Lillard would be first-team All-NBA every year, if that was the case. He did make first-team in 17-18. Who? Dame. Yeah, but Portland was Portland was pretty solid that year, I feel like. Mm. They weren't as bad as they were now. Yeah, but the, a lot of that is injury now. Yeah, you know, yeah, it is a lot, a lot of it is injury, but they were just a better team. They might have been fourth seed that year. They've over, they overperformed, like, three years in a row. You know what I'm saying? Uh, Portland. So, like, that's all I'm saying is – we we judging on the curve a little bit. There's a little bit of hype. I would have been – him making first team is infuriating. Okay, so who would you take out and put in Luca's place first team? I don't think Chris Paul should have oh, first. Oh, Chris Paul. I think second was good for him. I Chris don't think Paul. Been, I don't think he should have been first. Not Chris. I, I, it's between him and Jokic getting bumped up. The only reason why I'm against Jokic is because there's too many big guys on on all NBA first team. But, but, um, Chris Paul, in fact, yeah, I definitely take Chris Paul. Chris Paul had a, um, for the same reason, um, and and the tiebreaker for me for Chris Paul would have been, um, one expectations and two, his team was better. His team was better. And again, they're, like I don't Luka think he doesn't play defense, bro. Son, go, go, son, go. But like, but do you see the? Do you, who's the person you just brought up? Like, oh, Jokic. what about? Who'd you say? Jokic. And what am I tell? And so, what's my argument with you, bro? About white people on a curve. Yeah, yeah. What's, yeah. My, what's my argument? What's? Thank you. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. I hear you. I hear you. That's my point. That's that's all. I'm trying to, that's all I'm trying to say, bro. We, I'm guilty of Jokic, right? Where I look at Jokic and I'm like, damn, Jokic is amazing. But Dame but don't Dame he also guards, don't I guess, but Dame's not really like good on He's not he's not no, he's not he's not he's not Dame, Dame isn't Dame good at defense. Kyrie he's, he's a turnstile. Kyrie, Kyrie locked up. Kyrie, Kyrie knows how can play defense. He like he, he doesn't always try. Demar, I'm, looking, I'm looking at this right now. Isaiah Thomas, Isaiah Thomas, okay. 2016-17 made second team on your Celtics. Demar Derozan made second team. We were we, we were the second ranked team, bro. What do you mean? We won like fifty. We won like fifty six games. 
We won 56 games. Okay, That's my you. point. That's all I'm saying. I'm not like, like, these are things that, yo, we won 56 games. They had to. He, he was an MVP voting because we had all these damn wins. How are you not going to give him an MVP vote for, for one of the best teams in the league? You know, even though it was just regular season, right? Uh, but think, that's the reason why. Combination of responsibility on they, offense they, and then the, the numbers that he's putting up. I feel like if you... But you, I but you like know what? You just, I feel like the combination ahead, of numbers that he's putting up and what the team surrounding him, given his burden on offense, I think is justifiable. Not when you, not when okay, you're, seven, you're the seven seed. Bye, thirteen. Are you going or I'm going? Uh, you go, you go. All right, I got Giannis, Chris Paul, Harden, Donovan Mitchell, Goran Dragic. Goran Dragic was a tough one. The thing is, I, so you notice I don't have Jalen Brown on here, and I really struggled with that. I was struggling with JV. Damn, I was bro. With JV and Goran, and that was only because like responsibility like offensive responsibility but can, i really struggled with can that. you give me a third team again give me a third team again Giannis, chris paul james donovan mitchell goran Draghi. Ooh, chris paul i forgot about chris i struggled um, i struggled i'm not gonna hold yeah, you i can't put Giannis in there because he didn't play enough games um yeah he got hurt yeah yeah he didn't play enough games and they lost the game to the magic that's unforgivable um <laughs> It's unforgivable, bro. Like we swept the Sixers. That that was that's not that's not entirely his fault. That's Bud and nah. game plan. Got you, got you. But you know, how, I feel like we're we're picking and choosing when we separate players from coaching and when we separate coaching from players. We're picking and choosing. We're not consistent. We haven't been consistent today. Yeah, and <laughs> I wanted to bring that up because somebody was saying Brad Steam is not good. He doesn't make adjustments. This, that, and the third. And then I was just like, that's how I know you don't watch the game. That's how I know you don't watch the game, bro. Somebody. You know, Someone did say that. Someone said that on my Facebook or something. Like, yo, Brad didn't give, uh, didn't do a jump. I'm like, yo, that's how I know you didn't watch the game, bro. I seen, that on my, I seen that on my Facebook too. And then I was just looking. I was like, a coach can make adjustments and it not work. You know? And it don't work. Like, for example. Like, or the players don't execute. And like exactly. the players are looking at each other like, what the fuck? Exactly. Like, they made an adjustment for the band pick and roll. They just weren't executing. Yeah. And then even the zone, like when they started screening the zone, like that stuff was what they killed them. In it, the was it was working. It was, it was working. It was working. Absolutely. Yeah. The, like, the problem was like, Dropping the pass or something, something stupid like that, yeah. fumbling. And then even when um, the Celtics went zone game three against the Raptors, and then they lobbed it over the top to OG Ananobi, like, and um, Jalen Brown blew the coverage. It's just like people are blaming Brad Stevens, and I was just like, do you know if that's really Brad Stevens' fault, or do you know if that's a blown coverage? Yeah, I mean, it was, it was the, it was a little bit of both. Um, he wasn't supposed to be on. He wasn't supposed to be in front of the. Uh, of the big man, he was supposed to be even, I think, right? And and I I know that just from playing, I know that just from playing football and from kind of scheming and and how we kind of scheme up defense and stuff like that. Um, he has to be even with uh with Paul with uh Mark with Marcus so he can play both the lob and not get picked on that uh on that back screen. He was playing the lob. His job was to defend the lob, but also defend the backside. And he he got caught up in front of Marcus Gasol defending the lob. Marcus Saul sure wasn't defending the lob. Tice at the rim because it was just a yep. dominant zone. It was both of them. Okay. If Tice was in, when Tice was in the paint with his hands up, and yeah. Jalen Brown was attached to Marcus Saul. So Marcus Saul just slipped behind him and stood there. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Marcus, yeah. yeah. And it's just, it's kind of like he just fell asleep. Yeah. He kind of just fell asleep with the on the four four point fifth second, 
and uh, Marcus Gasol just slipped behind him. You gotta stay even. Because yeah. you don't really, you don't have to like block the lob. You just have to contest the lob, which you can do from being even with them. Yeah, and so that like, again, these are young guys. It's extremely hard for a coach like Brad Stevens. He's coaching up young guys. The, the effect of Brad Stevens isn't going to really take hold for like maybe another two, three years where those guys are out there doing these things without thinking. Yeah, no, a lot um, of you could have given up and gone to overtime. Yeah. The three was going to beat you. So that's why, and I think it was, that's why I think it was smart to like zone the areas instead of going, man, somebody missed a switch. But again, like, I think that was more of a, a JB blown coverage, but you're 13. Yeah. Yeah. My, my third team, um, Serge Ibaka. Mm. Serge Ibaka, man. Uh, real quick on Serge Ibaka. If they play him more, they win the series. Um, that pick and pop though. If they, if they play Serge Ibaka more, maybe his legs don't got it. Cause he's also old, but like, he averaged like 20 points a game. They play him just a little bit more. Like they felt they had to get keep Marcus on the game for some reason. And Marcus was shot. Like we ended his career. So we did. He went back to Spain after that. So um, yeah, Marcus was shot. Kawhi Leonard, Tyler Hero. Mm. I know, bro. I know. But I listen, I, I can't have people calling me a hater. Um Tyler Hero on the third team, though. Tyler here on the third team, and here's why. I give deference to the guys who made it deep in the playoffs. Okay. You have a lot, you have a lot more first round guys than I would have. Okay. Um, Marcus Smart, Luka Doncic. I thought Luka Doncic, his offense, his game winner, his performance in the first round was, was good enough to get him a third team nod. What about here. Jeremy Grant uh, instead of Tyler Hero? Ah, he had some good, he had some good games, bro, but that wasn't like he had some good games, bro, and I'll just leave it at that. Huh? He was hooping. He was. He was also open. I mean, you going to get mad at him for that? Like, what? And then defensively, he he bared, he bared most of the brunt of the responsibility defensively because Jokic and Murray aren't it on defense. I might give you that. I saw, him have, I saw the games that he had really good games. I'm not – I might be biased because I, I tend to lean towards the people I watched more. Oh yeah, it's not it's not looking too promising. Yeah, it's like it's like it's like twelve three. I don't know. I feel like he was I felt like he was hooping against the Lakers, bro. Hey man, he listen. I think I think what we can all kind of take away from the bubble and take away from the NBA. And I, I wish I hope the the real hoop fans listening to this podcast can get a feel as we're going back and forth about some of these things that are um very subjective. Is that uh, in the NBA, man, in a seven game series. Um, I've seen Kelly Olynyk score 37 points, right? Um, we, 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 I've seen Leon Poe go off for 20 points. If y'all remember, if y'all remember Leon Poe from the 08 Celtics run, um, I've seen the most inexplicable players having great series, right? Um, I seen Danny Green look like the second coming of, uh, Larry Bird for a stretch of like, and the entire playoffs, 2013, Danny Green probably shot 50% from three-pointer, right? Yeah, so, yeah. like, yeah, and then he never shot like that again. So, I think what we can take away is that there's, um, there's a lot – there's a little bit of randomness as far as player performances, especially with role players. Um, I think the regular season will show you who the role players are. The playoffs will show you who got heart. Uh, it'll show you who has experience and things like that because a lot of the playoffs is that mental aspect, the crowd, how you deal with the noise, how you block those things out. Some players play better under those circumstances. Some players play worse. Um, 
And uh, and honestly, I think that's the difference. And that's kind of how I looked at my first, second, and third team, you know? Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I just tried to weigh, like, player performance, player responsibility, and then, like, how far you went. I got you. Now, yeah, not, not, not responsibility and player performance, ultimately, like, because if you're doing what you got to do and you're exceeding expectations, but your team can't, like, you, like the rest of your team isn't performing, then, like, what, do you, what are you supposed to do? Um, be LeBron. <laughs> that was easy. Hey, listen, bro. I mean, not even just be LeBron, man. There's, there's levels to it. Um, the playoffs. If you go back, if you go all the way back, even even look at uh, someone like Tim Duncan, um, whose stats were always jumping off the charts and things like that. Like the best players, man, in basketball, the best players find a way. It sounds so corny and cliche. But in a seven-game series, uh, the best players find the best players make plays. They find a way. Um, a player like Marcus Smart, who is an offensive ta- offensively talented, will find a way to to you know make himself viable on offense. Like these guys, um, and they might not figure it out initially. Like I think Paul George one day will be who we think he's gonna be. You know what I'm saying? Maybe. Um, it's kind of getting late now. It's kind of getting late in the shot clock. But you know, I think these guys. Um, the, what separates the best guys from just um, being a really great player like Charles Barkley or um, Clyde Drexler. Clyde Drexler couldn't dribble with his left hand or with his head up, right? Um, but he made the finals against the Michael Jordan. Um, but that's somebody who's an all-star Hall of Fame player, but he wasn't Michael Jordan. He wasn't of that caliber. And that's okay. Doesn't mean he's terrible. It just That's kind of what separates the LeBrons, the Kawhis, um, Anthony Davis is now. <laughs> um, now he gets to be in that conversation. But that's what separates those guys from people who I think Luka Doncic, who's going to be a great player, is going to be a Hall of Fame player. Um, I don't think he's ever going to be the best player on a championship team. Really? Nah. Wow. No player like him. No player like him has sure. ever. He's he's not. Dirt, well, dirt. You want to talk about a player that's offensively potent, but then isn't that good on defense and the best player on a championship team? Dirk is prime example. Yeah, but he's a big man. He's a power forward. Um, the game has changed. Huh? The game has changed. Yeah, but so here's my thing, right? Luca is a point is playing point guard. He's playing guard. If at one point he does shift to being a front court player, um, maybe, right? On offense or defense? A front court player. A front court player on period. And I'll tell you why. Um, if he's a front court player on offense, it's just gonna take too much. It takes a, I mean, if he's a back court player on offense, right? Um, going deep in the playoffs, doing as carrying the load that he carries, he's never, ever, ever going to make it make it through the playoffs playing that way. Never, ever, ever. We've seen it happen. To, we've seen it happen with James Harden. We've seen it happen he's with the same player as James, bro. Bro, I or, we already saw him getting tired out in the in the ser- in the first round series, bro. I know he's young, bro. He's twenty. It's I know like, he. I know he's young. I know. I, I know he's young, bro. But listen, hear me out on this. We can argue it. Just put it in the books. And I'm 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 historical. All right, you can say the game has changed, but not that much has changed. All right, not that much has changed. Every year, the best defensive teams make it to the finals. Every year, not not a lot. It could be both. Good on huh? offense and defense. Yeah, you need to be good at both. Like top yeah. ten both. Yeah, but I've all we've seen teams win the championship who weren't even good at offense. I haven't seen a team win the championship that wasn't good at defense. 
right? I, I've seen the Pistons. I've seen the Pistons win a championship playing in the mud. Yeah, you know, I've seen twice, three times, all the three, Lakers, all three of their teams playing the mud. The Lakers were also come on that 0405 or 0304. Kobe, Kobe's the reason why they lost that, but okay. yeah, Kobe's the reason why they lost it, but still, Prince. yeah, yeah, but still, like, yeah, I mean, but my point is, is that we've seen defensive teams with it, we've never seen offensive teams with it. Um, I think, I think the team has to be built differently around Luka. The team's fun now, it's fun, yeah. no, no, no pressure. Um, but listen, bro, it's gonna stop being cute in four or five years, and that that's. They the same about the Celtics. It's gonna stay. I mean, listen. Say the same because they've been to three conference finals. Yeah, but not. This is first year in the playoffs. You can't. You can't. You can't fault the Celtics. Can make the finals eight years in a row. All right. You cannot. I don't be one of those people that that hold teams back because they go far. Right or the, the people that like try to shit on LeBron because he's been in the finals ten times, but he has a he's like four and six. You know what I mean? Yeah, like saying, you got to give him a chance. Like you're not even giving him the chance. You saying he's I am, not the best no, player I, on the finals team? I don't. I don't see him. I don't see him winning being the best. Player. I don't think. I'm not saying he's not going to win a championship. I don't think he's going not going to win a championship. But they're going to need a two. They're going to need a two way dog. And they're gonna get somebody. They're gonna get. Trust me. They're gonna get somebody that's gonna be like where we're gonna be like. Hmm. Who's better? You know what I'm saying? But like. Trust me, like Luca, and if and and the only way he's not he is gonna be the best player on that team is if y'all just say he is, which I know they going, which I know they're gonna do. Chandler and Jason Kidd, bro, bro, and that that team that team was deep, bro. That team was so deep. Bro, the thing is, that team they covered for, they covered for all his deficiencies. Tyson yeah, Chandler, exactly. Tyson Chandler covered for his deficiencies. Jason Kidd, Sean Marion, like this was a, Jason Terry was at, was shot making. This that was a, a a deep team, and Dirk Nowitzki was playing out of his mind that entire playoffs. Not the finals. In the playoffs, In the yeah, playoffs, not yeah, the not, yeah. I, not the to, to be honest, I don't remember the I don't remember the finals that year that well. I was I was arguing with my brother about it. And he's like, Dirk wasn't that good, and I was like, What are you talking about? And I looked it up, and I was just like, Oh, oh shit, yeah, yeah he wasn't. Yeah, no. It's, uh, the, the point I'm making is the Mavs. Like, it's the same organization. Like for years, the Mavs were good with Dirk being the best player, and them not, and their second best player. Like they're being they're being a huge drop off between Dirk and their next best player. I'm saying if anybody can do it, like Dirk, the, the are the people to do it to build appropriately around him. Dirk was so much better than Luca, bro. I mean, yeah, 32 year old Dirk, but like, I mean, just Dirk, Luka. just Dirk. I mean, yeah, I get, yes, I get that, right? I get it. Just realize it took Dirk a really long time, and Dirk was so much. I think everyone forgets how cold Dirk Nowitzki was, bro. Yeah, him was, and him and people argue him versus KG all the time, and I don't think it was he was cold. Was he was cold, bro. Now that we understand the math of the game, it was actually a lot more valid than we probably gave it credit for. Yeah, but if KG was playing now, he definitely KG would be Anthony Davis today. Yeah, he would have been shooting threes and doing those types of things for sure. You know, KG came in as a small forward, so yeah. you know, but. But that's all, folks. Um, Dapo, I appreciate you coming out to uh, to talk some ball with me. We probably ran a little bit over. This might end up being its own podcast, for real, for real. Yes, sir, bro. Definitely appreciate you for having me on. You've been listening to Pull the Pin. I'm your host, Kevin Ejoma. And special shout out this week to my boy, Dapo Adebile, for joining me. 
to wrap up this year's NBA basketball season. Be sure to catch game six tonight. Lakers are up 3-2 against the Heat. Let's see if LeBron can get his fourth ring. Special shout out to all the kind folks at What You Expect. That's W-Y-E-X-P-E-C-T.com. And we cover everything from the movement, the culture, music, sports, and politics. And you know, I tell you every episode, make sure y'all get out this November 3rd and make sure your voice is heard and vote like your life depends on it. Because if you've been looking outside, it just might. Peace.